From downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, it's our annual Midwest Gaming Classic episode, and we brought all sorts of interviews to prove we were there. Grab your N64 controller. We're heading north. It says Nintendo on it. It actually says Nintendo on it. <laughs> Nintendo Main Podcast, episode 296. We are four episodes away from our 300th episode, so send us those audio messages for us to play on our 300th episode and all that stuff. And Nintendo Main Podcast at gmail.com is where you can send that. We are your hosts. I'm Trey, Genesis fan, Johnson. I'm Jeremy, three in betweens, Mikowski. I'm John Awestruck Knitter. Aw. <laughs> Struck. Yep. So this, uh, you know, like I said at the very beginning of the show, we have a lot of interviews from people at Midwest Gaming Classic, which Jeremy and I went to a couple days ago. We survived. We're still here. Uh, we don't have COVID as far as we can tell. So far, so good. Yeah. So that'll be the big, the most that we'll talk about here. And we'll kind of just segue into our interviews and stuff like that when we get around to talking about those things. But John, since you didn't go, why don't you start us off with what you've been playing for the week? Woohoo! Well, sure thing. So, earlier this week, I think it was on Friday, I was checking the tracking number to see when the Genesis controller was coming that Jeremy had, had kindly bought as a favor for me. I paid him back, but he, we had the whole debacle of, I, I couldn't get the thing because uh, some sort of issue with my credit card, it wasn't processing. So, Jeremy kindly bought it for me and then set it off. He gave me the, the tracking number. I checked it. It was supposed to come on Friday, and it said it was coming at uh, 12.30 to 3.30. Well, that time it was currently 1.30, so I stepped out to see if the package was there, and it was. And so as I brought it in, I went to open it, and the shipping label actually didn't say it was from Illinois. It said it was from NOA. It was my N64 controller that had come early, and then the Genesis controller came an hour later. So I got them both like practically at the same time. It was, it was a joyous cool. day. And referring to what I said at the top of the show, the Genesis controller actually says Nintendo on the back of it. And I just think it's amazing. Every time I walk by this thing, I have to pick it up and look at it, turn it around, look at the back. It says Nintendo on the back. I see it. Yeah. There it is, yeah. So it's just unbelievable. And, you know, playing with the controller over the last couple of days, I've gained a, a renewed appreciation for the form factor of this thing. I think it is the most comfortable classic controller, like more so than the Super Nintendo, even which people say is a great form fit or whatever. But for someone with large hands, this thing is like a perfect fit. Um, I still would rate the Super Nintendo controller better just because it has more buttons and everything. It's got the shoulder buttons and all that. Does that D-pad still suck, though? <laughs> I've been I've been playing Genesis a lot lately, which I'll talk about later, but 
I think the D-pad blows on the Genesis controller. Oh, I never Sorry. Said it any any D-pad that has like the in-between parts to it, it's just not just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. It's never I think it's not me. just a straight cross. It has like it's more of a star type thing. I don't think it's very good. I mean, as far as like playing fighting games, it makes it really difficult to do actual moves. But if you're using it for any other game, sure. But if it doesn't require a good D-pad, then I don't know. It's never been an issue with me, but I just love this controller. I think it's fantastic. Um, they even bothered to put like uh, you know they have to add. They have, they, have, they have to have a button that, that can go back to the menu of the, the NSO software. And the Genesis controller didn't have any spare buttons. So they added one on the shoulder, uh, on the right shoulder. And I love this little detail that they put on here. They called it the mode button. And why did they call it the mode button out of anything? Because the six button controller had a mode button on it. So they're mm. paying attention to all the little details and uh, putting in some you know, Easter eggs, nods, whatever you want to call them, wherever they can. I was honestly more excited for the N64 controller, but now that I got this thing in my hands, I think I love it just as much as the 64. How's the weight of it? Does it have a good weight or does it feel like just it's as light as the classic Genesis controller? It feels like the same weight as the classic Genesis controller, which now that I'm holding it right now, it you know, it doesn't feel like, I mean, like the, the NES controller is like almost nothing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this feels like it's got some heft to it, uh, more so than I had remembered. Yeah, I just appreciate that Genesis controller. From the Genesis controller that I've been using, I, th- I felt like it felt lighter than the Super Nintendo controller. Like just the... I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the wireless one is, but the regular one I thought was kind of light. I always thought it kind of felt hollow when you held it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Definitely. Controller. Yeah. It has those squishy buttons too, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> but uh, the three buttons have a weird squish to them. Can you imagine taking that thing back I mean, in time? It, like, these are not squishy, clicky. But I would take the, it back the, in time. Squishy. Show it off to the kids on the playground. And be like, "Hi, I'm Future John. In the future." Nintendo and Sega are the same, and they just disappear. It's mind-blowing. Make sure you do it around the time Demolition Man released. Yep. (laughs) Or any other uh, future movie coming from the future. I also got the 64 controller, and I'm loving that thing, too. We did as well. Well, Jeremy already had his last week, but I I got mine right before we left for MGC. I got it on Thursday, and I was using it it on the Nintendo 64 online. You know, I was was trying to play games with it, and I thought it was really weird at first. Like, I just could not get used to it. And I thought it it was weird that it, like, had this weight to the top of it, which I guess it would if it had a rumble pack in it, but... I found it really weird that it didn't have a cord, probably because I was used to it having a cord. I thought it was really unbalanced because the front part was way heavier, and I thought it was kind of hard to, I don't know, it it felt weird in my hands. Also, uh, you know, I talked before about the 8-bit dough being slippery. The 64 controller is way more slippery. I've already dropped it like five times because it doesn't have any, like, the third handle, though? It doesn't have any grip on the side. That's the problem. It's too smooth. Like, the sides are too smooth, so it it slips out of my hands sometimes. But uh, I was having, I was like, "Ah, I don't really like this, but then I started playing Super Mario 64 with it, and that's kind of what like eased me into it and i was like okay no i get it now now it's like home yeah because i mm-hmm. played that game so often that i was like it, it made me feel a little bit more relaxed with it and i was like okay i started to come around to it and we played uh we played mario party with uh with the n64 controllers because you can you know because you don't need any anything that you don't necessarily need x or y which you can't play uh we found out you couldn't play monkey ball mania with it because you need x or y but mm-hmm. uh but any game that doesn't involve X or Y, you can use that to do it. And yeah, we played Mario Party with it during MGC, and Jeremy actually won the first time he played with the N64 controller. Oh, yeah. Nice. I kicked ass. So, so, so there you go. I've gotten used to it, but it felt really weird at first. Like, I was like, I don't know. But now I had to get used to it, too, especially because I hold it maybe with 
some would say an alternative way. I hold it on the outsides and I put my thumb over to the stick like that. Um, you know, back in the day, that was just totally natural. But after 20 plus years of, uh, you know, comfortably resting my thumb on the left side of the controller, it took me about an hour or so to get used to this, doing this again. And then just the feel of the joystick. I think Jeremy commented before about it leans over way farther than modern controller sticks do. Yeah, it feels much longer, I guess. And it has, yeah, it has more has more range, I guess, when yep. you like rotate it around when you're spinning Bowser. Yeah, but I love these controllers, and anybody who doesn't have them should get them. Suck it. They're fantastic. Yes. <laughs> mine, mine has tape on it because Trey and I had to keep ours separate, and I tried to write. <laughs> I tried. I tried to write Sega on it as a joke. Yeah. The, pin, <laughs> the pin stopped working. Yeah, it just says SI, or at least it did <laughs> when I saw when I saw it last. But it's funny that you left the tape on there anyway. You know, I, I put some gaff tape on it just so we would know which controller was what, so we didn't really, so we didn't get them confused because we had both of them. But yeah, no, it, it's it's a nice it's a nice controller. It's it's weird because you know the N sixty four in itself is such a strange controller, and I think this would be the only one that I would buy. I guess I mean I'd try to buy a GameCube one if they did that, but. But really it's like, like this it. one you have to get because it's, it's just a fucking bizarre-ass controller, and I don't have it. I don't have any other version of it already. I already had a whole bunch of wireless Super Nintendo controllers and Genesis controllers, but not 64. There's never been a wireless 64 controller. At least not like that. Like, I thought about... There's probably some Hyperkin one or something. Well, yeah, they have the Hyperkin ones that are wireless that you can do, but not like the old, the three-prong one. So And I even thought about getting the Hyper Hyperkin one, and I'm like, but why would I want that? Because that's... Because the reason I want the 64 one is because I want it to be weird like the original 64 one. I don't want it to be like a modern controller, so decided not to get that one. I want to put a new shell on it. I'm glad, I'm glad you got it and you're able to mess around with it. I want to see a teardown to see if it's technologically the same inside. Obviously, it's got the wireless, but I wonder if all the, the buttons and everything are the same and it's the same analog. You know, I just want to see. Uh, I don't know if there's yeah. a teardown or not. I, I, know the, I know it's missing a couple of screws in the back. And I think you pointed that out when uh, yeah. when you got yours, right, Jeremy? Yeah. That there's screws above the trigger that were in the original one that aren't on this one. My biggest concern was that it wouldn't feel like the, the weight at the back with the that it had with the rumble pack, the rumble pack not being there, just wouldn't feel the same with that weight. And I think that they did a pretty good job. It doesn't feel as heavy at the back as an old controller but, pack would, but it, it does it feel lopsided, and I'm happy for that. It does have a heaviness to it, yeah, which, I like I said, I thought was really off balance at first, but... I mean, not just I the rumble back, but get just, to the, it. just the tether of having a, a cord on it. You know, that's not necessarily weight, True. but that's an extra mm-hmm. force you got to work against. But, but when I did when I did play my 64 recently, I did feel like more, you know, more accustomed to it because I had already been playing 64 on the Switch. So I picked up the old 64 controller and I was like, oh, this feels great. It doesn't feel weird anymore because I've been playing it on the other one. So, you know. Same thing happened to me this week. So they seem very, very similar. Played a bit, a bit of Animal Crossing, not a whole lot, but to get into the happy home paradise, try out having a job and all that stuff. Um, I'm enjoying it. It really does, I would say, like kind of double up the experience of Animal Crossing. It feels like there's double the content that there was. Well, I mean, it's pretty much, uh, I, I mean, I think you said it before when they did the direct, but it's pretty much a whole new game, you know? Yeah. It's it's DLC, but it's a new game. You know, I, I know Jess has really been enjoying it. She actually took her booster today, so she she's out. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, she's been playing the crap out of it. Like uh, she was taking a bath and playing and playing Switch with a with a bag around it earlier. Oh. <laughs> you know, she put oh, it really? in, she put it in a Ziploc bag and played it in the bathtub. Yeah, nice. But she said she used to do that for her 3ds. I never saw her did it. <laughs> That's ingenuity. It, they should show that something like that in the Switch commercial. Somebody played yeah. in the bathtub with a Ziploc <laughs> yeah. bag around it. Yeah, or you're like uh, you're like scuba diving and everyone around you is like 
oh, the look at the fish and the dolphins, and then someone and you're else, like playing dire dire dogs, switching a bag. <laughs> you're swimming next to the weird looking eel from Super Mario sixty four with the big eyes, and you're you like, play oh, Abzu yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Abzu's pretty though, but yeah something like that so i designed a regal palace for a cat that looked like madonna she loved it and i designed another house that i didn't spend quite as much time on but i i'm you know someone who, who really enjoyed the designing aspect it was kind of bummed when i like you know my house is pretty much designed to a t and i can't really do that much more to it it's, it's, it's exciting to know that if I, if I feel like doing that i can jump over to the other island and just whip up a house in 20 minutes or so it's very satisfying well uh, according to the direct though eventually you'll be able to do those things to your own house eventually from what from what they were saying is it what the extra abilities that you get in decorating through happy home paradise will eventually come back to your own house so you'll be able to build like support beams and shit like that in there in your in your own place at some point i don't i don't know how long it takes to get to that but it is pretty cool and then I, i think the dream for a lot of people i know it was for jess for sure is decorating your your villagers houses and be able to change mm-hmm. their houses. Cause I, I said it before, but I tried sending them like, you know, nice wallpapers and flooring and dinosaur and like dinosaur bones and stuff like that. And they wouldn't put them up. And I was like, man, I wish I could. Cause you know, you get so many cool like wall walls and floors and stuff and you can only use so many of them. It was like, well, what if I could just all sit in your storage? It's like, what if I could give them to my villagers and maybe you can like when you, when you get to that. So I haven't, I've been playing Animal Crossing more often, but I have not. I still have not touched Happy Home Paradise yet. I just haven't had time to. I've just been doing the regular oh. stuff. I've just been going to Harv's Island and paying for stuff and getting and getting plants and like changing my pumpkin patch into a garden and you know paying for the storage and stuff like that. I've played every day, so I'm actually getting the seven plus day bonus when nice. I go to the Nook Stop. And the main reason I've been playing every day is because I need Nook Miles because I guess I had cashed out all my Nook Miles last time I played. So I haven't been able to get any of the new stuff. Any of the new new the stuff you buy with that so um, i'm just kind of grinding for those so i played i probably played at least an hour a day other than when we were at in milwaukee but um i don't know like it it has really pulled me back into the loop like i think i'll be into it for at least a couple more weeks um i did pay for so i've officially paid for everything on harv's island um everything will be there as of tomorrow so i've been trying to buy art every day i've been trying to check in with sahara you know if there, yeah, if if there's the right art, I've run into. It's great to have it to look at it every day, but it's been like the past couple of days have all been fake for me. Oh yeah, same. I've, but I've still been buying it. I'll just be like, I've got so much money, like I'll still buy the fake art and just have that as something to hoard for later. Some of them have like cool effects to them. Like I bought, I bought the fake ancient statue, which the with the ancient statue has like an alien antenna on it. And it has like a glowing yeah. face. The fake one does. And if you touch it, it glows or like it it moves. It like uh, rotates like a ghost. It's really cool. So I put it by the front of my island and I just touch it and it kind of levitates around. And it's mm-hmm. a god because I fought it a billion times on Shin Megami Tensei 3 today. <laughs> so it's I, I know what that character looks like. Cause I, Based off a Japanese god or something. It's Yeah, it's some sort of god because I was fighting it in, in this in this dungeon. I was fighting it over and over again. You could only kill it with magic, so it was draining my magic a lot. But I think I have yeah. like six gyroids now. I've got one in the ground, so you can really only get one a day, as far as I can tell. I got three one. But that's day. pretty fun. Okay, well, I, I got three. I don't know. Well, that might have been maybe it rained or something. I don't know. I played on because mm. I didn't play Saturday while we were at MGC, but I played Sunday when we got back, 
And when I checked my town, I had three. Like, I had planted one and watered it, and there was another one next to it. So there were two right next to each other, and then there was another one at the back of my island. So I got three in one day, not counting the broken one that you can get at the island every day. I didn't know they were they would show up on your island. I've only found them. I've still only found fossils on my island on a daily basis. Yeah, I found, well, I planted one, and then two others appeared. But I don't know if huh. that was because of the rain or something. But yeah, there was. I found three in one day. Which I thought was, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I wondered if they had like populated or something because I planted one of them and then there's one next to it and all that. Maybe. I got a wheat and um, something else. I planted that. I've got a, I've got a farm going for that. And I've been watering that every day. So that's been taking up time. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally back into the, like today f- CJ showed up. So I, I did his challenge and sold some fish to him. And yeah, I'm totally back in the loop. I don't know, like I said, how long it's going to actually hold on to me, but it does kind of feel like, I don't know. It's, there's just a lot more to do and it's fun. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to do now. And it's thing- like riding a bike. Like you get just get back into that loop of like doing your tasks. And I keep planning. Like I'm back to planting money trees everywhere. So my island's ridiculous. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. it because I, I I've spent most most of my money already. My like five million bells that I had is I'm down to like eight hundred thousand now or something like that. From oh wow, yeah. From yeah. well, from up from upgrading the uh, house. You know, because the house is expensive. So. So I've been so I've been trying to save money and I've been yeah I've been doing the same thing like I've been watering the plants and harvesting harvesting the plants and selling them and trying to get some of my money back you know trying to build that back up and all that well and I'm also paying like the hundred thousand dollars on the island which the other night I found out that the island stuff closes the same time that the store does which sucks so if you I go to, if, if you go to Harv's Island after eleven there's nothing open there's nobody there mm. so there's no point in going there I was kind of pissed about that because I was expected because I was gonna go buy uh, some shit from Leaf I was gonna get some more seeds and when I got there nobody was there everybody was asleep and all their campers were all closed and all that and I'm like well fuck so when you so when you put stuff in the box outside the shop that gives you like half the amount you would get right. It's it's a percentage. I don't know if it's a ha- if it's half or it's like eighty percent. But yeah, it's not the full amount. Because now you can sell to the uh, you can sell to the uh, pelicans or whatever they are, the dodos. You can sell stuff to them, and it's at a twenty percent mm-hmm. markdown. So it's just like if you put it in the shop, like the box in front of the shop. But you can literally just hang out at the hub if you want. I guess, I mean, you're not going to be able to collect anything, but the hubs just kind of become like sort of like in Monster Hunter or like a lot of other games where you can actually just get just about anywhere from the hub. And that's kind of cool with all the shops there and stuff. So yeah, I kind of no, like that. Right back home. Are you talking about Harvest Island? Harvest Island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure what you meant. It's got, a, it's got an ATM on it or whatever those things are called. And it's got the all the different shop, like specialty shops. So the ABD, it's easy to just go there and hang out. Yeah. I guess you can't really, like I said, you can't fish or catch bugs or anything, but and you can't, weed. I did one <laughs> can't pick up the weeds, yeah, which yeah. really bothers me. Cause there's weeds everywhere and you Same. can't, and you're unable to pull them up. I'm like, oh. I, uh, I've only done one thing in happy home or whatever the expansion I, uh, did. It was actually the one I'd already seen Jess do. So I was a little disappointed. It was the same elephant Eloise. So I just spent maybe 30 seconds and it looks like crap, but she liked it. So (laughs) yeah, mine was Eloise too. So I think it's just the same for everybody. I I think that was a big problem that people had with happy home designer the first time around on 3ds is that you don't really get judged for what you design. It's, it's all about how much effort you put into it. You could just, because they, they say, like, I want these things in my house, and you could just take those things and just put them in the middle of the room and do nothing else, and they'd be like, great, oh, it's great. Exactly what I did. I wasn't aware of that in that little demo level with Eloise or whatever that you could access the other stuff. So she's like, mm-hmm. I just want this bookshelf, a chair, and some books. So, all right, so 
put those three things down and she loved those three things. Yeah. I didn't realize you had to open those boxes up. I just had them sitting there and she's like, what is that cardboard doing on the floor? People are going to judge me. So I had to like open the boxes and realize, oh, those had the items in it that she wanted. Yeah. One other thing about that though is I realized that when you go to work, you earn a different kind of currency. And so you can't take that off the I guess the only thing it's good for is buying stuff at that store. Yeah. I, your I, job. I mean it's I, I I figured the reason they did that was was so that you can't just go and automatically buy everything already with whatever bells you have saved up. Like they want they want a new like gamification to it, you know, where you can earn like a new there's a new thing you're working for towards now instead of like using right. the old bells that you have like this is a whole another version of a game loop that's in there to, to keep you playing and all that stuff so i thought that was a little a cool strange idea. there's not at least a conversion idea or something like maybe at a huge loss like maybe you could buy everything but it'd be so expensive people wouldn't do it yeah but some but i mean people who played all the time still still had like a lot of money saved and 10 plus million yeah i had like close to six and i'm down to a little over two with all that extra stuff i bought so yeah i've seen my coffers reduced for sure but i still don't feel like i can't just buy whatever i want it would be nice though if like you know rather than relying on knocking rocks and planting money trees and oh geez the turnip market you know that if you could just like go to work and earn some money yeah it's been whatever you want maybe that maybe they'll unlock that after a while i don't know maybe 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 just like you said they figured that people had so much money maybe after like it'd be nice after a month or two or whatever they're like hey now it's just one currency and you can spend everything wherever you I mean, want. Technically, now there's three types of currency. Oh yeah, because there's the um, Nook Miles also. Nook Miles. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, Nook Nook Miles. It, it would be cool if you could. I mean, maybe if you when you buy the furniture from Happy Home Paradise, if you took it back and sold it to the Nook people, they'll buy it for more because it's not from there. You know, because it's like some sort of foreign item or whatever. There could be that. That'd be cool. That could be a way for you to make money off of it if if you really needed it. You know. But yeah. No. It's a uh, yeah. It's you know. It's got me back on it. I do I do want to try out Happy Home Paradise at some point. I just it was just like, oh, it's a whole new game. I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where I'm just like It's not really doing it for yeah. me so far. I'm going to be honest like granted I guess I kind of got it for free, whatever, but I was going to get it either way. So I'll give it a little bit more of a shot, but it just doesn't really seem like it's like I just I like decorating outside more than inside. It's always kind of been my thing. You yeah. decorate outside. Yeah, I mean, you can do both. You can decorate outside and inside. That's true. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's like most things, all of it, all the fun of it is what you put into it. If you're just playing it just to get through it, you probably won't have that much fun. But if you're actually wanting to do specific designs and stuff, it could be fun. And there, there was a new update that was just added, which I think is awesome. You can call Flick there and you can build a house for Flick and CJ and they live together. So that's nice. pretty awesome. Cool. And I know people were flipping out about that, like in a good way, at least the ones that I were following. More like flicking out. Yeah. So they thought it was pretty rad. Also, another cool thing is if you um if you have like multiple people in your town, like all on the same profile and all that, you can you can all play Happy Home Paradise independent of each other. Like so, each of the games will be different, which is cool. So they kind of fixed some of the problems that they had in the original in the in the regular Animal Crossing. You know, where like if you're playing two to one system, only one person is the person that can actually decide where things happen in the town. Like the other person can't do anything else. But if you go to Happy Home Paradise, that's a whole separate thing. Like your designed houses will be different from the other person's designed houses, which is cool. That's good. So that's good. Well, all three of us can talk about how uh, we got charged for the the Zelda game and watch. So that's on the way, and mine's coming on November 18th. Mine uh, mine says it hasn't been shipped yet, so there's no date for me. 
So, but they did charge me. But it says that it's not that it has not been shipped. So there's no. So there's no. Uh, yeah, it does. It doesn't know when it's going to get here. So that's. Uh, I paid for mine with sucks. PayPal. So I think that made it to where I didn't get charged till just today, finally. But yeah, I haven't done any like detective work to see if I've got a shipping, like I've got a tracking number or anything like that. I would imagine they haven't shipped them yet. Yeah, they're not going to ship them until yeah tomorrow. Yeah, I just wanted to look at it because I was like, well, you know, maybe mine will come early. I should be aware of it because I don't like it. You know, I like to monitor all that stuff so it's not just sitting outside the house because there's a good chance somebody might take it or whatever so which thankfully i was the n64 like jess and i were both working and nobody was here and it stayed outside the house like all day so thankfully i still got it and nobody knew what it was and nobody took it so oh i know all about the n64 worries with shipping yeah well yeah you did the same thing so went to a different place last thing that i got this week was i just bought the gta trilogy which as of this time it's not out yet not supposed to be out until 10 a.m. tomorrow, but I'm anxiously awaiting those games. I'm excited for them too. They look great. I looked. I looked up Knights of the Old Republic because I was really hoping that was going to be available tonight, and that's not supposed to be out until 11 tomorrow either. So I'm like, ah, jerks. <laughs> so midnight, everybody. Yeah, midnight. I guess. I guess they only do that for new games. I guess not re-releases. I don't know. I I thought that I thought that GTA was a, was like a shoe, and that one was for sure was going to be midnight, but. Yeah, why? I don't know. Why 10 a.m.? That's such a weird time to release. Anybody, if anybody would tell us, anybody knows. They needed those extra. They needed those extra 10 hours. They need that (laughs) to make sure all the (laughs) songs are the right level or whatever. I don't know. You you really really need that. Really need that time. Whoever knows the reason why games can't release just at midnight across the board, please let us know. I I would love to know. It's for whatever. Yeah, whatever reason. So, John, that new, I wanted to say that new uh, video you sent. You sent to the Slack, like whatever, like their new, like mm-hmm. it was like a graphics comparison video. So yeah. I don't know if that was an official piece of media or if that was somebody on YouTube did that, but there you can decapitate people now. Well, you could always shoot their heads off. Could you? I don't remember that could. being a thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you would. I guess it's just not in five, and that's the only one I played for so long that I didn't know that. Like in GTA Three, you would shoot the character in the head with a sniper rifle or something, and then their head would be gone. And it would just be cartoon blood spurts coming out of their neck okay well that's what i saw on this as well but it's probably just a lot more well animated now so that's why you're noticing it but yeah are you guys looking forward to that game are you planning on getting it or what do you think uh i i thought they were i was i guess maybe we've covered it on the show but i was still confused about whether or not you could piecemeal them I guess you can't. So well, not. I'll get it. I'll get it at some point. I guess. Well, I, I, this is this is my theory on that. I, I don't think it's going to be piecemeal until it actually officially releases on the eShop. I think that you can only pre-order it as one thing, and when 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 it finally releases tomorrow, you'll be able to buy it one by one. Is what that's my theory on it. Which maybe that's right, maybe that isn't. But as far as me, uh, I actually have like five days of work coming up this week. <laughs> well, yeah. I have a lot. I have a lot of shit to do this weekend, so I'm actually not going to have a whole lot of time. And there's two big games coming out this week already. There's Shin Megami Tensei Five and Knights of the Old Republic coming out like on the same day. So I'm probably just going to wait on GTA and maybe get it next week. Is, is is what is what my plan is on it. So that's that's where I'm at on that because I got because I got all these other games to play and I'm trying to get through. Still trying to get through Shin Megami Tensei Three before Five comes out. I don't think that's going to happen, but. It is fun to play it again. It took me a while to figure out where I was at because I forgot where all the towns were and stuff. But but I beat a couple fiends and got back into a dungeon and I've actually been progressing and all that stuff. So 
now that now the Knights of the the old Republic is not coming out at eleven, I'll have time to play more SMT three stuff. So so there you go. But yeah, I'm just I'm I'm probably gonna wait on it because yeah, because I bought some other stuff too, which we'll talk about in a minute if we're ready. We can get we can get into that. Let's transition to our Midwest Gaming Classic stuff. Jeremy and I we went we went to MGC and we survived. It was actually you know what it wasn't that bad. It was it felt like it felt like less of a convention. Like it felt like obviously not as many people were there. Um, a lot of people that we knew, like who who we've seen in the past, weren't there. Like a lot of the uh, Nintendo Age people, like weren't there. Only a part of Retronauts was there. Like Jeremy was there, but uh, Bob wasn't there. And I th- and I felt like the whole place in itself, it was definitely a lot less packed than it was. And I didn't even really feel like it was all that packed. Like it no. was ki- it was kind of to the point where I felt comfortable about it because we're in this big area, like really big, really big ceilings, like big, you know big things but we never have to be like right on top of each other and all that so i felt i felt pretty safe about it even though like there wasn't a whole lot of people wearing masks but the idea was we're all vaccinated and blah 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 even though we did see some people walk in who did not have vax cards right behind us so who knows how the uh (laughs) how the um security was on that but i felt like it was pretty it felt pretty safe i don't know and it wasn't really yeah, it, like you like you don't have to be right next to somebody. You know, we had our masks on the whole time. Like we're not we're not doing the no mask thing and all that. So we're being safe. Honestly, I, I it was one of the first times where I've been sad that I had to wear a mask. To be honest, because I don't mind wearing the mask. I kind of like it for I don't know. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that'll wear a stocking cap all year just because it's kind of like a security thing. Like I feel it feels good like having something covering my head up a little bit. And the mask is like nice. Like I like the mask. Um, but I, d- I don't know. It was just there was some certain points where I like felt like it was kind of like it wasn't like the old days because you couldn't really just like walk up and talk to somebody randomly. It didn't feel as easy to do that because of all the protocols and stuff. So I'm not saying like I I regret wearing a mask or anything like that, but I look forward to hopefully maybe someday not having to at MGC. Are you going to 2026. Events, you're meeting all these different people and um, it's weird to meet people but you can't see half their face yeah yeah so i think there probably was a little bit of an element of that brotherhood that was removed and there was a party we went to an after party where i totally just wanted to be rocking out and dancing with everybody (laughs) i mean i did to a certain extent but like i just kind of felt a little outsidery being the 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 one dude in the mask you know Mm. i was in a mask too and there were other people well i mean it it wasn't just us there there was like five other people people, maybe (laughs) i'm exaggerating a little bit but it's it's how I felt in the moment. Sure, yeah. We we did actually we actually recorded a Patreon episode specifically about the VIG party. So I wanted to keep a lot of that talk to that episode. So you don't need to get cool. too in depth with that. But if anybody wants to hear that, go to patreon.com slash Nintendo. Well, my name is a refer. My middle name is a reference to that. So you'll have to listen to the Patreon episode to get that. Oh, really? Uh, I said three medium guys. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that band was fun. Uh, Gothicles, look them up. That was my favorite band of the whole thing. And that video, I watched the video after. Well, we all did. And they don't have the, the, the live singing was much funnier. They had too much, like, um, auto-tune and shit like that in the, in the YouTube video. The, the live band with them just yelling it was much, was much funnier. But I kind of get the impression they've changed over time. They've, like, evolved or whatever. 
Oh yeah, probably. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how old that video is. From skinny guys into medium guys into fat guys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're both pretty skinny. I mean, now now they. I mean, now they think about animals. So I don't. So I don't know. I <laughs> think they should. Some National Ge- Geographic content. I think they should have stuck to the the video game stuff more than uh, vampire walruses or whatever. But yeah, uh, let's talk more about video game about MGC stuff. Something really cool happened. It was our very first interview that we did, but. Uh, our friend, you know, friend of the show, Kevin Fair, was there, and he was doing his own little Mortal Kombat 11 tournament thing. But he also had uh, Brian Thompson with him from Mortal Kombat Annihilation, who was uh, who was an actor. Which you, if if you saw him, you'd know him. He's, he has a very distinct look to him. He was portrayed yeah. as pretty much like you know muscle. Like he he was a uh, he was a very like you know scary type. He was he, most of the time he was cast as like, you know, bad guys. Uh I knew him probably the best as the alien assassin from X-Files. He was on the X-Files yeah. from season 2 to season 8, so he's on the sh- on the show for 6 seasons. And he was basically like mm-hmm. this one character that there were multiple clones of, so he could get killed however many times and then still come back. And it's like, "Oh, there he is," you know. So that's kind of a good role for him because you know, he would never be killed because there was like infinite clones of him. So he would always, he could always come back in one, you know, some form or another, but yeah. Who did he play in Mortal Kombat? Uh, he was Shao Kahn. Hmm. But if, yeah, uh, look him up uh, just take it. Well, actually I can show him to you because this segues to our first interview, but uh, I bought, I bought this, um, I bought this signed picture of him holding Buffy because he was also on Buffy, which I forgot to talk to him about Buffy, but that's him there. It's it. Cool. I mean, I mean, he looks like he looks like a vampire. But uh, I, I got this picture signed for Jess. There, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot of art stuff there. So I wanted to get something for Jess Cool, and I was like, well, you know, she likes Buffy, and this is probably the best looking picture that they that he had there. And it says, "To Jess, nice neck, baby." <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it was a fun. It was a fun thing. But yeah, Brian Thompson, look him up. He's fun. He was in Next Generation. He was in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, he was, he a, was on. He was in Dragonheart. He's in a ton of shit. He was in Terminator. He was uncredited, but he was in the first Terminator movie. Yeah, we um, he was probably at that bar with with all the other people. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, yeah, we we talked to him about some of his newer stuff. So listen to that, and I think we'll segue to the to the interview right now. So Brian, uh, tell me, tell us what you're doing here. What have you been doing? We're at the Midwest Gaming Convention because we are featuring Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, where the fans come and say hello and are very appreciative. So yeah, uh, you've been you've been doing signings and stuff. Are you are you uh, doing part of the Mortal Kombat Eleven tournament or involved with any of that? You, you know, I've been asked about the you know the what ancillary projects about Mortal Kombat since I worked on Annihilation. And I can tell you clearly and succinctly that not one person has mentioned my involvement in any of those projects ever. Like when they did the TV show, I didn't even know about it. Yeah. 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 And that's, uh, that's, that's kind of fairly common with a lot of these productions. Sure. They, they move on. Yeah. How was, uh, I mean, how was working on Mortal Kombat Annihilation? It was one of the most, uh, or if, if I could quote one of Shao Kahn's lines, it was glorious. <laughs> we shot in five different countries wow. over uh, just about five-month time period. We worked at some of the greatest locations 
uh, on the planet, Petra, where the stone temples are, one of the seven wonders of the world. Wow. Uh, we spent two months in Thailand, which is a beautiful country. First time I was involved inside uh, the, the Buddhist culture, which... Oh, yeah, like the remarkably, like remarkably peaceful. Some of the most peaceful and happy people I've been around in my entire life. Nice. It, it's remarkable how congested those cities are and how relaxed those people are. Yeah. Very much more chill when, when you're there. They just queue up and stand in line, and it doesn't create any frustration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they're just used to it. The fireborn are at home in fire. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, that's that's cool. How long did the production last for that movie? How long were you on it for? We were on it. Um, I was on it for close. It was close to five months. Oh, yeah, and we yeah, started okay. in in Leaves and Studios in London. Then after London, if memory serves me correctly, we did Jordan and then Thailand. And then we did uh, looping in um we work in Vancouver, BC. Oh, okay. Nice. Was it, um, did it feel like, uh, I know like coming off of the first movie and how that was a success and all that, did they have, uh, I mean, did they have like a lot more budget on the second one? Like it didn't feel like, you know, they're obviously flexing if they're shooting in like multiple countries and uh, and all that. I don't, uh, I didn't research the, the budget for the first one versus the second one. My guess is that the budgets were pretty similar. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. Well, I mean, I was just—I know they were shot like so close to each other, and the first one was such a big hit that I was like, I don't know. But obviously, if they're shooting all over the place, they got—they got something. They got some sort of uh, budget. <laughs> how was uh, how was your time working on the X Files? That's probably uh, what I knew you the, well, be- the could, best from. If, if, if you could, remember that, if I could quote a line from Mortal Kombat, it was glorious. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love working in Vancouver, B.C. Um, my favorite food is sushi, and they have the best tuna and salmon that you can get on a planet. So, you know, when you've been when you've been fed well and your palate is a happy camper, <laughs> that goes a long way towards keeping your mood up and light. And then on top of that, the uh, the X-Files was groundbreaking television at the time. They oh, yeah, raised yeah. the bar on production value for a TV show. Now, obviously, uh, oh, Game of Thrones might have raised that bar a little bit since then. A little bit. But at yeah. the time, those hour-long episodes were mini-movies. They had a lot, a lot of wow factor. Like that first episode that I was in, the, the whole submarine the, the submarine conning. I mean, they built that on a soundstage. Oh, I, yeah. walked, I walked on the soundstage and I said, holy crap, what's the budget of this TV show? <laughs> and then when we shot that scene where, um, you know, David was abducted at the end of the scene oh, okay. out in the forest and, and oh, it yeah, was zooming yeah. up. Yeah. When I, I, when we drove up into the forest, it was like, we were on Patriot Games. It was there was mobile lights everywhere, and trucks and equipment, and and you know, dozens and dozens of extras and equipment all over the place. It was like you were moving into this mega military operation. Did they have like a uh, helicopters and stuff for the camera people and all that? That like for was the a great shot when they when they oh, zoomed okay, away yeah, from yeah. Gotcha. David because we're in the forest, so I don't. It was a pretty dense forest. I don't 
believe we had a helicopter on that location. It's, I always find it interesting because all these like flyover shots are so much easier to do now because of the drones, oh, the, the camera just, drones. Like just, it's, it, make, it can make everything look like it has a higher budget just from owning a drone. You know? <laughs> YouTube shows with no budget have glorious helicopter shots, but are done with a drone. And the, and the exactly, safety yeah. factor, yeah. you know, that it's a tiny little drone. I, I haven't seen, have I, been, have I seen a helicopter in the last five years? No, yeah. I haven't. I've seen, and, and the drones can do, like on 911 last year, you know, we did it, we pull up with like five fire trucks at an intersection where the building's on fire. And it's, uh, it's like a three, 36 diameter, 36 inch diameter drone that's right there hovering in the intersection. And it, you know, tracks with the, the vehicle and it's between the buildings in a location that you could never fit a helicopter. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah, and it's much it's much cheaper, obviously, too, and yeah, like you're saying, nobody nobody has to go up in it either in the, in the helicopter. So yeah, it's much be, safer be, as well because people that have been around helicopters, they don't say, you know, if it's going to crash, they say when. Yeah, I uh, I personally know two people who have died in two separate helicopter accidents. Oh, geez. Yeah, and one Sorry. of them one of them was on a movie set I was on. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 a horror. Yeah. So to get those big pieces of equipment that uh, can cause mega damage away from human bodies, it's it, it just think that what a blessing technology is. Yeah, yeah. And that and this is also what's happening with motor vehicles. They're getting they're getting smaller, simpler, and safer. We cannot transition to electric vehicles fast enough. Yeah. You know That's that. Uh, the the full self-driving systems on Teslas are almost 10 times safer already in their current iteration than human drivers. I believe that. Did you know that? I did not know that, but I, but I believe that. So anybody that is in a vehicle that is not a Tesla that can afford that car is, is being careless. Seriously. Yeah. It's careless. Yeah. You want your, because you could, you want yeah. your family in this car car with an internal combustion engine or do you want them in a car that's oh almost 10 times safer you're you're an irresponsible parent if you're driving your kids around in a vehicle that is less safe than one you could be driving do you have a tesla have two of them you do yeah that's awesome and i had the older tesla that did not have the the full self-driving features and the only reason i got a newer one was so i could have full self-driving because one of them had it and one didn't and i I felt less responsible driving the Tesla that did not have the uh, full self-driving, especially at night on a freeway. You know, can you respond in milliseconds? But but, <laughs> but the car can. Yeah. One second, we're getting a... Oh, I'm not going to take that phone call. Oh, okay. Let's see. But yeah. Sure. I mean, we could like... We don't have to go for so much, for that much longer if you need to. You know, get, oh, no, get, get, back to the, get back to the no, booth my, and all that. Uh, my beautiful girlfriend and her mother are next door at the Van Gogh exhibit. Oh, okay. And they're going to, uh, you know, I need to make sure that they get passes to allowed in here because we're going to have lunch together. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So I was just checking to make sure that that wasn't them saying, they're not letting us in. I mean, you could just go over. Do you still have that uh, helmet from the movie? You could just go over there and just, <laughs> okay. and just threaten them to just you know, tell them a, to let them in. A guy brought a, a helmet with the, the face mask that is being made. 
yesterday to autograph. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, you, yeah, Did yeah. you see the, the – it comes in a big box? I, I did not see it, no. And uh, I, I confess I went on Amazon and bought one. Oh, nice. It, so it wasn't like a cosplay thing that somebody made? Like it's like something you can actually no, like purchase? Uh, Don, what was that company that made the Mortal Kombat helmet? Sideshow Collectibles. Oh, okay, it. yeah, no, I've heard of that. And uh, yeah. hand painted, it was remarkable. It was remarkably, it looked very, very close to what we used in the movie. Are you gonna? Will you wear it like in a live event when when you get it in I, the future? I, I would. Yeah, I'd wear it for an interview. It's <laughs> nice. Uh, it's an instant. Yeah, you, know, you put that on with a robe, and you've got an instant Halloween costume. Yeah, <laughs> that, I would love to see you uh, wearing that again. Yeah, I uh, well, I took a picture of it. You know, the, the, uh, this helmet is awesome. Yeah, check it out. This is, uh, that, that is very close to what was in the movie. That's the helmet, and it's, it's nicely made. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I've got a giant noggin, and it fit me. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, Sideshow Collectibles. They did a good job. Although, the mo- they, for some reason, they chose to add fangs to it. Yeah, we didn't have the fangs in the movie. Yeah. Was the one in the movie like heavy? Like, did it was it hard to no, wear or anything like that? It, or it is remarkable how great our costume it was. Because here, take a look at this picture. All those spikes on the shoulders, all all this, that was all foam that was gilded with shiny a shiny metal veneer. All of that, that's all foam. If you hit that, it was like bumping into a marshmallow. Oh, that, nice! All that stuff that looks like metal foam. It was so light and so easy to move in. Those, they, those costumers knew how to costume people in a martial arts movie. It was, it was brilliant. Oh yeah. So then it's because it's light, you could still move around and do whatever. It was almost sort of like you weren't wearing to. the costume. It was. Yeah. It had that much flexibility. Yeah. Well, because they got to do all the um, the martial arts stuff too, right? The uh, choreography. And, and exactly. That, yeah. Exactly. And the, the, those costumers got it. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, because a lot of, I know, like, what was it, Robin Cho was, like, that was part of casting him, right, was his uh, martial artist ability, the guy who played Liu Kang in yes. the movie. Yeah. So yeah. I was saying a lot of actors were actually doing doing fights and stuff. Well, so. and, and, you know, sometimes on movies, egos get involved, and, you know, costumers want to have this certain look, but mm-hmm. to get that look or that texture, that feel, now you're, you're going to you know, put some restrictions on the actor. Like I was in a, an action adventure movie where they actually tied pieces of iron to the jacket. Oh, so it added literally added 30 pounds to the weight of the jacket. And I had to ride a horse and every, <laughs> those, those pieces that looked like iron could very easily have been plastic and it would have literally made this jacket 90% lighter. But no, they wanted the iron. They wanted, yeah, they went the like real anybody, thing or whatever. Like anybody watching the movie would ever know the difference. That's where, that's where, you know, costumers don't comprehend the job of the actor. But on Mortal Kombat, I, I could possibly say that I have never worn a costume that was as easy to move in as that was. Yeah. It's remarkable. That's awesome. Did, are, do any do any of those costumes exist anymore, or have they all probably disintegrated because of the foam that was used? That there? would be a question for the production company. Sure, <laughs> I have, I have. They didn't let you keep them at the end of the shoot. Some of the in one of the outfits, um, there was a leather a, a leather a leather tunic that I wore. 
that's not there either. Yeah, it's not in that photograph. I do. They did give me. They gave me one of the face masks and one of the leather. Uh, it's kind of a leather T-shirt mm -hmm. that I still have, but it's getting. Um, I used it for an audition a couple of years ago, and I had to. I had to duct tape it so it, because it was it's so. <laughs> you know, leather gets crinkly. Sure. Yeah. It had, my leather had broken. Oh no. <laughs> So uh, what I mean, what are you what are you doing now? Like, what have you been doing lately aside from uh, uh, well, currently, Midwest Gaming Classic? Currently, you can see me as Captain Gerard on Angela Bassett Show nine one one. Okay. When they go back in time, I am the the strict, more rigid, less uh, less vulnerable as you, as we could say, fire captain of the nine one one, and uh, then I play special agents on NCIS LA okay. in the current season. And um, have you heard of the Coen brothers? I have, yeah. You have heard of the Coen brothers. Yeah, yeah. They, they made a couple movies. I don't know. Yeah, they've made a couple Just good little movies. little independent. Joel you know. Coen and Fran McDormand have produced Shakespeare's Macbeth. Okay. And they it's called The Tragedy of Macbeth. And I've got two scenes with Denzel Washington. That's coming out on Apple TV in December. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And we we premiere it premiered the New York Film Festival on sep in September, and uh, I'm I'm blown away. It is it is a, a synthesis of mega talents coming together to make Shakespeare on screen in many aspects better than it has ever been done. They have set the bar on how to put Shakespeare on screen. Uh, and the performances, some of them made me gasp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Coen Brothers, they've never done anything like that. So I would imagine something that, well, they, but their stuff. Well, I mean, is, like Shakespeare stuff. I don't think they've but done. But their understanding of classics is, is as good as it gets. Um, you know, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, the, the, uh, uh, their, their classic, everything they've done has been, very classically based. Their understanding of it is remarkable. So they're yeah, and, and thrilling mm -hmm. that they can take these classics and make them thrilling. Excellent. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get back to your to your booth here. But thank you, thank you so much for talking to us. You're so much nicer in real life than uh, than your characters were. I was like terrified of you when I was in high school watching you on the X Files as the as the um, now is that a is that a as, compliment? As the alien I mean, bodyguard? No, no, I'm saying that you've been to very, say you've been that, very to nice. Say, to say that you were nicer not, than some of those some of those characters, it doesn't doesn't move you no, towards nice you're, very you're not much. Trying, you're not trying to kill me. <laughs> I have never attempted that. But as a character, you have to, when you have to think about that. Oh, those thoughts are so ugly. I uh, I shy from those guys because I've had to be in their heads too often. Yeah, I'm sure that I like, can, yeah. I like to re rear view mirror them as much as possible. And you get to do more, uh, more like good. You get to do more good guy stuff, right? You're not. Uh, yeah, the yeah fire yeah, captain for right the now. NCAS uh, and, yeah. A science fiction movie coming out. that I'm playing a college professor in, um, and that in the special agent on NCIS LA. Those are all. Yeah. Those are all kind-souled individuals. Which 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 you are. So it's uh, I, <laughs> there you go. I, well, I hope so. At least you have been to us so far. Yeah, you might have caught me in a rare moment. You don't know. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for talking to us. It was okay. a, it was yeah. a pleasure. Be well, you guys. Yeah.
Definitely. And I'll definitely check out your movies and such. We're back. <laughs> so so that was like the first interview that I did of the day. So it was kind of a little awkward. And we were in this like big area that was like really, uh, that was really loud. And you kind of had a hard time hearing us and stuff like that. So it was, I felt a little nervous about it. And I always have a hard time, I don't know, interviewing actors. I always feel like I tense up and I don't know what to say. And I always think later like, well, fuck, I should have said that. I should have said I this. was totally in that same place. Like, that's why you don't hear me say anything i really need to write questions down but aside from that i thought we had a pretty good conversation about like stuff that he's doing now and costumes and working on mortal Kombat and the x-files and stuff like that so i thought i thought it was a good conversation there why don't we why don't we do you want to talk about some of the games that we got i guess we can do that for a while um sure i got a lot i got a lot more i got a lot more than than jeremy did but uh I think as far as like as a uh, used game stuff, but we can both kind of go back and forth. I I, I said my name as a Genesis fan at the beginning because I bought a ton of Genesis games because I was you like, really did. I was like, you know what? I only have I only have like maybe four Genesis games. I'm like, I'm gonna buy some more Genesis games. So I probably bought I don't know maybe like ten Genesis games, <laughs> maybe more. But uh, I can go through and go through them right now and show them to you. Oh yeah, and also uh, Jeremy and I we had a beat of the week. We beat a. Uh, Area 51, the light gun game, because they had an arcade of it, and we played it all the way through. So, oh, Did you throw some CDs at Aerosmith? No, that's that's a different game. Oh, okay. The Aerosmith one is called like Aerosmith Revolution or something like that. Area 51 is the one where you shoot the aliens and stuff. Oh, right. Oh, that's right. Yep. I remember that. Thankfully, there, were no Aero- there was no Aerosmith in this. <laughs> I, prefer, I prefer it that way. Actually, I guess I could say a game that I have that's not, not, not Genesis first, but... I got one of these guys. I got Cruisin' the World on Nintendo 64. Cruisin' the World, nice. And this was another beat of the week. I beat this game. I played. I sat down and played through the whole thing. And uh, it's great. I had a lot of fun with it. And that's what I was saying about when I sat down and played and grabbed the 64 controller again. I was like, no, this feels right now because I've been playing with the other one. So I guess you could talk about your 64 game that you got also, Jeremy, if you want. Yes. This was a gift. Um, we had seen this being out on the show floor. It's something I've talked about on the show recently especially with the uh the n64 online but my good friend trey got it for me as an early birthday present here it is banjo tui banjo tui i don't know if it's full screening me it's not about about banjo tui yeah we, we saw so we saw banjo tui the first day like or well saturday was the first day they didn't actually i thought they were going to let us look at the stuff early like the friday night for vig but they didn't uh we didn't we we got like a half hour we would have gotten a half hour early Saturday morning, but we would have had to be up at like 8.30 or something. And unfortunately, I drank way too much whiskey Friday night, and I was really hungover on Saturday, and I did not want to wake up at 8.30. So we ate, we walk, we woke up at like 11, and so, so we woke up much later. But I got up a little earlier. I was up about yeah. 10.15, but I, oh, okay. I didn't feel great either. I didn't drink quite as much whiskey, but I had a lot of beer. So, I drank. I drank. Way I mean, too I was much right whiskey. there with you. Yeah. I was. Uh, I kind of just. I, I hadn't drank in a while, and I just kind of let it let it fly, and just there was nobody. There was no way, no one there to say like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't drink any more whiskey." Because <laughs> I was just like, we had, hey. we had, a, we had <laughs> several drinks at the hotel bar, and then we had friends back to the room, friend of the show, Nate Lockhart and Kate Lockhart, which we got to meet finally. Uh, they're married, but yeah, she was there, and they came and they played Mario Party with us, which was super cool. And uh, had a few drinks then as well. I don't think they drank quite as much as we did. And then after they left, we just kind of went ham. <laughs> we just can't. We just kept drinking and uh, playing. Uh, we played Super Monkey Ball. We played some very intense uh, billiards 
it was and then started watching YouTube videos. Important conversations happens. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it drank drank way too much whiskey, but but yeah, we got got some sixty four games there. How is Banjo Tooie? Have you played it? Yeah, yeah, I played it. So just like you. I was acclimated to the N64 controller, so that was nice. Um, it was fun to hook up by N64. Like it was still in storage. I hadn't even pulled it out. For, uh, I hadn't even unpacked it yet. So I got it out, and um, the very first thing was when I booted up the game. It was like zoomed really far in and up at the top left of the screen. So I'm like, "What is going on with this video signal?" Like I really thought something was wrong with the game at first, and it kind of worried me. So I put it in a different game. I put it. Uh, I have. Uh, pokemon puzzle league i was like well pop that in let's see what happens there that game looked fine so i'm like what the hell's going on here and it took me a while to realize you can go into the screen settings and actually scroll you can actually like shrink and expand this the the video signal in that game oh because weird. i guess this is when people oh, started it was to that... get, like widescreen tvs and stuff oh yeah. wow okay i was like because... there's actually a widescreen mode on a 16 by 9 mode does it run well, so whoever... badly that you have to make it small <laughs> whoever owned the game before had done something weird with the screen where yeah i just had to go in and manually like change the borders on it to fit the tv and it works fine now it is i'd say the frame rate's not the best even with the expansion pack but i mean i'm having fun with it it's kind of overwhelming because you start with everything all the abilities you had in the last game so like I'm kind of just relearning how to play banjo kazooie. So I'm still on the like the little hub area at the beginning, just kind of getting used to the controls. And I actually can't figure out what I'm supposed to do next, but I'm sure I will. But uh, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. But yeah, bottles the mole gets killed in the very beginning. It's dark. It's really dark because his body like he gets hit. He comes out and he like falls on the ground and dies. And then a ghost, his ghost comes out and the ghost is like your tutorial person now, instead of actually him popping out of the ground, his ghost just appears over those little molehill, like tutorial areas. And the, the, in the media, the whole time, his charred body is just stays on the ground where he died. So you can go visit dead <clears throat> bottles, whatever you want. And he'll say stuff like, Hey, I'm decomposing over here. Get to work. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really dark, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun. Like, I'm, I'm happy to finally own this game. And other than playing it a little bit at it, the demo kiosk back in the late 90s or early 2000s, whenever it came out, I think it came out in 2000. That's all I've really played of it. So thank you, Trey. I, I do appreciate this. It's my first new N64 game in quite a while. Yeah, we tried to, uh, we, we found it the first day and we're like, oh, we'll come back and get it later. And then it wasn't there when we came back because I was like, oh, shit, I'll just buy it if we find it. And then we went over there and it wasn't there. I'm like, oh, fuck. So, so I kind of just like, you know, secretly, I just went around to the different booths to see if I could find it again. And then I found it again for the same price. And I was like, oh, excellent. So then I bought it. And I was like, and I was like, here, Jeremy, can you hold my Cruise in the World game? And here also hold this Banjo-Tooie and you can have it. So yeah, it was very nonchalant. Place. But that was my secret. Give it away thing. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate it. But b- before we before we get back to talking to games, since you just talked about since we talked about Nate and Kate, why don't we cut to that interview right now so you can hear Nate and Kate from Memory Machine talk to us on the show floor. Wee 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 wee. All right, so we are here with uh, with with Nate, Nate and Kate, and Ethan Johnson. That's my name. And you, I know you have a Memory Machine podcast. I do. Do, yep. do you have a Do you have a podcast as well? Uh, you, you have a lot. Please tell us. <laughs> I have uh, a blog you can follow. History of how we play. WordPress.com. I've been on the Memory Machine three times. So I'm I'm just a general game 
research guy. Game research underscore E. Nice. And he's also, uh, he's been helping with the Arcade Dreams documentary series that's uh, been under production for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. I haven't heard of that yet. Is yeah. that a, is that a, so that's a doc about, obviously. Uh, the documentary is going to be a several part documentary about the whole history of arcades going back a hundred years. Back into the old days before pinball even existed. What is, what is like the, when was like the very first arcade? Uh, well, that, uh, you'll have to watch the documentary. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not that, it's not that <laughs> Spoilers, big a you gotta it's, pay for it. You know, arcades <laughs> back in the day used to mean like a mall area. Sure. Um, and the first one that kind of influenced the name it was in Cleveland. It actually is still there. It's called the Cleveland Arcade. Oh, okay. Or the Arcade in Was Cleveland. that, I mean, was, when was, that was like early 80s, right? Like none um, of it was... 1890s. Or, or, oh, 1890s. Yes. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, the car arcade term was... Yes, way, way, in way, the way, way back, back times. Yeah, yeah. We, are, we are covering quite a bit of stuff, but I'm not here the one to be interviewed. It's, 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 it's Nate's hey, show. Hey, I'm talking to all of you. You're all here. This, <laughs> I mean, it's our show, actually. Get it right. But fair, no. fair, fair, fair. <laughs> no, no, we're, no. We're, talk, we're talking to all of you. Right, so you were just saying you were accredited in with the Pac-Man book that they're selling here at the... Yes, uh, Pac-Man Birth of an Icon by Tim Lapatino and Arian Terpstra. Uh available now they had the launch party just a couple days ago in chicago i uh helped a lot with the general research for that so what's your background in uh uh arcades then like is that just something you've studied a lot or have you yeah it's, it's mainly just a, a academic interest i guess you could say but i okay. like the games too and whatnot but where i came from uh from massachusetts we did not have arcades uh we had uh, two pinball machines and an ice skating rink, and that's all I had, unless we went to Rhode Island, in which case I got to play in a Dave & Buster's. But aside from that, uh, arcade games were not something that I grew up with. It's just something I came to enjoy. Okay. Nice. So uh, how, is, how has the MGC been for, for you so far? Uh, I've been loving it. Um, I didn't allow, allow myself to get excited for it until Saturday morning because I was just like, it's not really going to happen. It's not really going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Um, I, I think it I, I kind of felt like that all the way till we got here also. That like yeah. something, every time I got an email from like Dan Luce and I was like, one of these is going to say it's canceled. I know it's yeah. going to. I feel yeah. like in the end it's going to be like, well, you know, for some reason it didn't work. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it actually happened. They pulled it off. Um, I think that the, um, the policy they had for the vaccine or negative tests is... I mean, it's, it's proven to, to work. I mean, it worked with Lollapalooza, for God's sake. Yeah. So, I don't know how, um, strict, how strict they were on the people that came it, in. Well, yeah. It, but, I mean, I don't know how strict they actually were, but that was the policy they had. But I like the it, idea. And, it, and yeah. it wasn't a super spreader event, so... Yeah. Well, um, I mean... Yeah, I, so, so I'm proud of the organization for doing it that way. Um, I, I think it helps that we're in such huge areas, yes. too, like high ceilings and yeah. big... And you could just wear masks most of yeah. the time, and that'll be fine. That, that'll do you just fine. So. And you don't, have to be, you don't have to be on the top of each other. Like, people... It's not like person to person, you no. know, like that sort of thing. No, and I haven't really... Since I kind of didn't even think it was going to happen, I didn't really feel any pressure to prepare any podcast stuff. So I just it's been nice. I've just been sort of doing what I want <laughs> instead of, like, worrying about, like... <laughs> trying to get interviews or talk to people to or sharing my business card with people you know yeah i actually didn't so. print out any business cards this no year. yeah I, I didn't either or like or like flyers or anything like that i just i, I just haven't had time yeah but if I, I did if i didn't bring the equipment i would be so angry at myself oh, yeah. for not getting anything 
I remember the first year we were walking around with the cards and finding places to put them, and we even like put I put some in the bathroom. Like, yeah. And I yeah. I saw some in the bathroom this year, and I'm like, oh crap, we forgot our business cards. Yeah, I um I, I have my film business cards with me, but that's that's it. You know, I I haven't I I gotta get mine reprinted. What's your what's your film business card stuff? Oh, it's all about like my Super 8 8 millimeter film stuff. I because I what I do is I show um I have Super 8 and 8 millimeter film prints of old silent movies, and I show those around town where I'm from, and hire a pianist, and then they play music with the film and. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, so they're actually like events that people buy tickets to go see. Yeah, right? well, like, they don't buy tickets. I usually just do it for free. Oh, okay. Uh, but um, but you do it at different theaters. Or yeah, whatever, I do it yeah. different. Like mostly like the local library, or we did an outdoor show this year in October. Uh, we showed the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Hired a jazz improv pianist to play along with the movie. It's pretty cool. It was a nice. good time. But uh, yeah, the con's been great. I've uh, I've played a lot of pinball. There's not quite as much electromechanical pinball as I would want. I feel like previous years have had more, but that's okay. I'm learning to live with it. What's uh, what is electromechanical pinball? What do you mean? Oh, it's like the um, it's it's the ones where like uh, basically the ones that have the actual bells and chimes. You know, like when you play and they have like the oh, okay. the, the score ones, reels, the like ones, chunk, 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 chunk. The ones that don't have the screens, like the right. matrix and all. Yeah, that right, stuff. right. No, no, Before no screens. LCD displays. You know, they, people people like to distinguish them generally by the score marker, basically. You know, so DMG is where it has all the dots and everything. You know, they have have little kind of animated stuff going on. Then you have the L LCD stuff, which is uh, generally late 70s, early 80s. Like seven second displays. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, earlier than that, you get. Uh, score, you know, score drum reels, and then even earlier than that, you have light ups, and earlier than that, you have nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say, are, are you looking for the ones that don't have the flippers? Uh, well, well, I, I do think <laughs> those are neat, uh, and there is one on the yeah. floor that's from the early '30s that's really cool. But yeah, I, I, we, we 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 couldn't figure out how to get a game started. But oh, you couldn't uh, even get it going. No, I, I mean, the, it's, they're so antiquated. I don't even know if there was even a thought of having a free play. You know, it's, it's oh, not. no. I mean, it's barely mechanical as it is. You know, the most mechanical thing is it allows the balls to drop through, yeah. so you can start another game. You're supposed to tabulate the score by hand. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so it just score for you. Yeah, so yeah. Making you work because they they fall into pockets. They're not, you know, again, there's no bumpers. There's no. You just launch the ball. It falls into a pocket, and then it stays That's there you until got. you do yeah. the ball return. Wow. Yeah, and then you just sort of. To, you know, count it out and say, like, okay, I got this one, I got this hole, this hole, this hole, that's like uh, 1,500 points. And there you go. Kind of like mini golf or bowling. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Honestly, it's it, but it, but on a table. And, gotta, yeah, uh, got to keep your own. You need, like, something with the animations and stuff yeah. like pulling out. But, Katie, we haven't heard much from you. Yeah, We've yeah, been sitting you, here quiet. Did you have anything to say? Uh, this is my first Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, yeah, it is. Although I've heard yeah. many things about it because Nate is very enthusiastic. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. I love playing pinball. I like the newer machines, unlike Nate. Uh, I like new machines, too. I'll say the new machines are cool. Like yeah, uh, they are. I like both. I saw I saw you. It's a rich it was tapestry. either like Twitter or Facebook. It, I saw you posted you were playing the the Godzilla, the new yeah. Godzilla. Yeah, game, the Godzilla one was a cool, lot of yeah. fun. I liked all the 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 movie scenes that they show while they're doing it. Oh yeah, with the we, we competed this morning or Manila, on uh, 
on a couple of uh, different pinball machines. Godzilla was the first one. And who took the who took the belt? Uh, for all three games. For Godzilla. For Godzilla, I did. Yeah. There you go. Congrats. Congrats. By a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. And uh, what did you think of uh, Mario Party when we played uh, with these guys? Uh, which, oh, yeah, by oh, the yeah. way, listeners. Oh yeah, we yeah. all played. Uh, we all played Mario Party Superstars. It was the first full four-player game I've done of Mario Party. Yeah. So yeah. you got to, you got to be there for the first time, local four-player Mario Party, which is always the best way to play Mario Party, as oh, you yeah. know. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I had I had a good time. Did yeah, you guys, yeah, guys enjoy it? Did you win, honey? No, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think uh, yeah, Jeremy ended up winning, but it was yeah. but it was intense. Uh, yeah, those games are fun. It, it's a fun game. It reminded me why I like Mario Party, um, or, or why it's fun. You know, because when you when you play it by yourself, it, it, which there's no reason to ever play that game by yourself. Yeah. Well, they don't, actually don't do it. they completely took out the single player in this new one. There is no single player. That's just as well. So they obviously <laughs> felt, felt the same way as you did. Like yeah. they're like nobody plays single player, so we're not even going to have that. In no, there. no. I think no. they got rid of it just so you could do. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's fine. Just yeah. just so you could do the online multiplayer by yourself with random right. people. I think that's right, what they right. were going for. Which is great. I, yeah. I, I love that that's in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, checking out a few other things. I didn't really... Um I didn't really buy much of anything uh, collectible-wise, you know, collecting-wise, you know. I, I kind of feel burnt out on collecting video game cartridges. But we got, like... We got the cool book, the, the Pac-Man Birth of an Icon by Tim Lapatino, which we... Mentioned a little Ari earlier, Interpster. and what? In our interpreter. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, what did I get? Didn't you get a Commodore for a dollar? No. Oh, I got a. Cali- I found a ColecoVision for a dollar. Oh wow! Um, it was pretty nice. beat up. Uh, I didn't have any. <laughs> Does it work? I don't know. Just the gonna, part of the phone. Yeah, yeah, just the console. It, not, not even like the power no, supply no or anything. Yeah. So, but I have all that stuff at home. So we'll see if it works, and if it doesn't. Uh, hopefully I can figure out why it doesn't work and they're not that complicated of machines so there's only so many things that could be wrong with it sure so uh, yeah it'd be nice do you mind talking about that stuff that you found at the at that house oh uh, yes all all of the not not really MGC related but I think it's really cool it it is video game related it's definitely yeah yeah. so my uncle uh, is sort my uncle Steve uh, rest in peace he is the one who kind of got me into old video games and old monster movies and stuff um, he uh, he passed away last March March of 2020 and then my aunt uh, who I also love very much she passed away in August and we had to go through their house one of the few things that was actually bequeathed to any of us because they didn't write a will, which, by the way, all listeners, write a will, please. <laughs> Send this. This is my PSA to you all. Write a will. Save your family a lot of trouble. Um, but we dug through their house, and my uncle was a... He was always a pack rat, but in his later years, he kind of fell into a hoarding trap, which is honestly not uncommon, especially as you get up in the age. So take care of, take care of your, your elders, friends. Um, but we tried to go through, because uh, the... Um, the only things that were bequeathed to anybody, uh, although I don't even know if this would hold up in a court of law, but people said that, you know, well, Nate and Aaron get the uh, the baseball cards and the video games. And my Nana was okay with it. She's the executive of the state. So we dug through and they take, took a lot of digging, uh, took a lot of digging through a lot of unpleasantness, as it is often the case with hoarding situations. 
But we found the mother load in the 11th hour. We only had one day left to dig through, and that is when we found the bulk of it. Uh, luckily, all in Tupperware containers. And uh, we found a grand total of like seven or eight Nintendos. Wow. I've one in that one that was in the box. Yeah. Um, we found Dragon Warrior one, two, three, and four for the NES. That's, three was that, complete in box. That's the mother load. That, that's like my. Uh, that's like kind of like my holy grail of games. Oh yeah. It's like the, I mean, I'm a yeah. huge. Like Dragon Quest is. Oh yeah. I think it's the best uh, RPG series. And 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 the rarer ones and for it, the NES are the better ones. And it's better than yeah. better than Final Fantasy, I think, as a series. I agree with you. I think you're you're correct. <laughs> well, you, that you, that you, is you the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I like Dragon Quest just fine. But yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. All, I, like I, when you look at all of them, all their games are good. Final Fantasy ones, maybe three of them are good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so no. <laughs> so there uh, Trey, you go. Trey, yeah. uh, e Ethan, I'm the one with the mic. Ethan is disagreeing here, <laughs> but. Uh, Trey, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but we found that. I found Yoshi's Island in the box. I found like nice. dozens of Sega CD games. Some of them are like working designs RPGs. Uh, yeah. I found Dragon Warrior Monsters brand new and the Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 brand new in the shrink wrap. The Game Boy one? Yeah, the Game Boy yeah, one. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, what else did I find? Um, I found a couple um, old 80s VFD tabletop games. Uh, Scramble from Tomitronic, which is pretty cool. That's a cool one, which actually that one uh, was the find that I, I had that kind of made me a little emotional because I remember him showing me that when I was about seven or eight years old, and uh, because of the hoarding stuff, it was it was it had mouse piss on it and it was it was oh, in bad shape. Yeah, that's the, yeah, when but, you're saying you were going through some yeah, uh, it really was, rough stuff with the hoarding. I'm like, I'm like, I'm wondering what. Exactly yeah, it, it's, I guess it's, if it's. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's that level. And, and shit and whatever is. Yeah, it was that, that level. Um, but I took it apart and it cleaned up just fine, not a problem. The insides, not a rusted trace or anything to be found. Mm. And I put it all back, you know, gave it a really good scrubbing with dish soap and water and uh, polished off some of the lighter scratches with some brass polish. And um, it has still worked. And the sounds like kind of brought me all back to like when I was eight years old, playing that in my uncle's apartment, you know, and just and it, it was it was very it was very emotional. It, it was it was it was sort of like I had finally achieved closure, oh, playing yeah. playing that, play like just sitting there and being able to play that. Uh, it was a very special thing. Don't, don't forget about the photo. The, the photo. Yeah. Which one? There were so many. Uh, yeah. The NES. The NES? Oh, yes, we found a photo of me. Uh, the very first time I ever played Super Mario Brothers, I, we found a photo of that, oh, wow. of that experience, which was wild. So, like, like 1980, like, 86 or what? Or no. 19, because I, I was born in 87, so okay. it would have been 1990, 1991, I think, is when that was. Because my aunt and uncle, my other aunt and uncle had one, and we played at their house. And, uh, I mean, that that's sort of the moment, like, broke my brain molecularly like on a molecular level and it rearranged it like oh you're into video games now um yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it, it's just a photograph of that exact moment it's bizarre that's amazing it's utterly bizarre i wonder to have like, a memory yeah. in your mind like that and then to I mean, see it for real it's i mean there's not that many people that can say that they have something like that no. like a no. picture of the first time you played super mario Bros. which is such a you yeah. know everybody played that but to have that actual moment like oh yeah like, cause that was um, like for me, that was a Christmas, like whatever, 
87 or whenever that came sure. out. Like that was our yeah. Christmas. You know, we got it as a family. We all played it like yeah. up, upstairs in the, you know, in the dining room and all that. And I remember it, but I don't, we don't have any pictures of that as far as oh, I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. like being able to see that is. Yeah, that's pretty special. Yeah. We found a bunch of other pictures too of things like he used to go to wrestling events in the 70s. Mm. Um, and, and Parkersburg High School Gym in West Virginia, Parkersburg, West Virginia. He, uh, but it, but like he has these photographs of like Andre the Giant from like 1977, and he has like the oh long yeah hair. oh yeah yeah you're showing yeah like the Andre we showed the Giant you pictures Rick, of that Rick Flair and all that yeah stuff. Rick yeah. Rick Flair is there and like um, superstar Billy Graham and like all these guys um, yeah yeah it's, it's treasures there's so many of these old treasures of course we had to like throw out ten bags of garbage worth before we got to one treasure but you know but it is what it is and it's um, yeah it's quite a saga. Quite a saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, it's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That you got to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was so nice talking to you again. Um, do you want to let people know where to find Memory Machine? And all oh, that yeah. Stuff? Um, you can just go to memorymachinepod.com. That's where I post my show notes for things, and you can find a lot of that stuff there. Um, we've The most recent episode I did was in early October. I did it with Alex Smith, who wrote... They create worlds and does his podcast and all that. But we talked about baseball instead. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, baseball history, and by that I mean like really early, like the de- like the early development of the sport. It's a good episode. Yeah, it's fun. I've had this guy on before, right? Yeah, let's yeah, say yeah. Uh, talk about talk about your stuff as well. Yeah, so I've been on three episodes of uh, Nate's show, uh, talking early arcades. So if you want a bit of a preview for what's coming up in Arcade Dreams, you can listen to his. Uh, his two episodes that I did on CoinOp, and then we did uh, something on 1970s early arcade games. We'll be doing more episodes on early CoinOp. Uh, I have I have forced him to. Yeah, and I mean, and you, I've acquiesced. I was gonna say, yeah. and, uh, reach out to us too, like when you get closer to release. Uh, for the oh yeah, oh yeah, doc yeah. and all that. We love to talk to you. about Oh for it. sure. Everybody will know. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> look us up on Twitter and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Um, so yeah, memorymachinepod.com, uh, that, and if you just look up on your pod catching service, just look for memory machine, mm-hmm. you should find it. Cool. It'll be there. Yep. All right. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks. Katie, say thank you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were a lot, of, they were really cool. I thought that, um, I thought it was really amazing. Like all the stuff that Nate found at his uncle's house. Like that was a big thing that we talked about. His uncle was like somewhat of a hoarder, but he found, uh, the original Dragon Warrior games, the American ones, in box at his at his uncle's house, who had just oh. recently died, and they were like going through all of his stuff, and that was like the mother load. Like he found the the game, like the I don't know, the Holy Grail for me, like those original Dragon Warrior games, and those are those games are like at least a few hundred each, at least two three two through four are, or at least like over three hundred dollars. So that's possibly amazing. even more if they were graded. Because they're complete box, like they could be worth thousands potentially.
Hey, hey you. It's me, Mario. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo Main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over! They had a. There was a water booth there. We, we, I we, kind of avoided. I didn't even did talk see to that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I walked up and looked at the games they had to see if they had put prices on them, but they yeah. they just had some games there that were graded. I didn't see anything that looked remarkable. I was just kind of pissed they were there at the show, as John said, yeah. fucking it up, fucking it oh, up there, <laughs> there. Yeah. At the show. Yeah. I, I didn't really. I didn't really talk to him either. I kind of just like. Walked past and looked at it, but didn't it was want, literally Wada yeah. and Heritage Auctions. Like that was the banner. I, I didn't. I, I walked yeah. by it and looked at it, but I didn't want to look at it enough to where they'd like try to talk to me because I didn't want to talk to them. So it's kind of just like I'm trying to get an idea of what you have here, but I don't want you to think that I'm actually interested in talking to you about it. Like one of those sort of things, you know. So it was like a graze, the graze by looking, you know. Which I'm happy to say, I didn't see a whole lot of graded games on the show floor there might have been a couple of them but it wasn't some, like it wasn't like overly prevalent in any way i saw somebody carrying one i don't know if they if they brought their own to get graded or if they bought it somewhere but i did see people carrying them i doubt they were yeah. offering that service on the show yeah. floor they probably have to ship that shit off yeah was there a general mood like against them with the other booths nearby them like giving them shit or anything like that honestly uh, other than like, we didn't really mention kind of glimpsing at that one day and then immediately putting it in the slack that I saw them. Like I didn't even like, I forgot about it to be honest until just now. Like I just didn't even go to that spot where they were anymore. Yeah. It was, just, I just kind of just walked past it. Cause Jeremy told me it was there and it, yeah, you saw it before. I just kind of wanted to just take a quick peek, but, uh, we were supposed to get Speaking a, of water. Here's an interview with water. No, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we didn't talk to them. We could have, but no, we didn't. No, I was trying to not even like ask them about their booth. I was going to say, um, 
They they were you know since we had the video game the very important gamer stuff, um, there was a uh, th- there were T-shirts that they were giving out to some people, not to me, because uh, apparently they forgot to order the right amount of double XLs, and they ran out <laughs> really really soon. So I ended up not getting the shirt that I was supposed to get. They're supposed to email me about it at some point, but I did get this shirt for free. This shirt right here, which uh, I guess they said that the video that the very important cool. gamers get their own separate Midwest Gaming Classic shirt that you can choose. And I and I got the uh, Rampage one because I thought it looked really cool. See, I And it might have even been designed say? by the original Rampage artist because he's been at NPC multiple years. So, so there it was. Is. She is saying Smash Hits, Monster Games, and more is what she says. Nice. Like that's what's at the, the game, the game convention. So here is the official shirt that I got because they did have my size. That's a cool design. Pretty simple, yeah. Um, as far as I know, like I was, I was confused because Trey was saying like maybe I got a different shirt as well or whatever. But I only paid for the VIG package. I didn't pay. I didn't buy a shirt separately on top of that. So as far as I know, this is just what was included with the package, and it's the only shirt I got. But I mean, yeah, I think it's cool. It's blue. I like blue shirts. It, it might have got that yeah. similar like kind of mandala thing they've done on all their other shirts. Yeah, I like thought, their logo or something or what's no, every that, year it's different. It's a different uh it's a different design. Yeah. The the other one, the green one kind of looks sort of like that, which I wore. It's like I kind of like day. a kaleidoscope image or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For people not watching the video. Yeah, I wasn't sure uh I wasn't sure if the lady was just confused or if she was, if maybe she thought that and that wasn't really it, but I was, I would, I didn't care. I'm like, well, give me one of those shirts. <laughs> I was like, I want those, one of those cooler ones. So I, w- I wanted to get a shirt Honestly, out of it regardless. Uh, Dan Lewison, who, who's a big part of what, who puts the show on, like he was so, uh, he was so approachable, like in past years, like I was emailing him like directly, like talking to him over the pandemic about my swag and stuff from VIG 2020. And uh, and so as far like I I would say you're you're good to go, Trey. You're gonna have to wait. You'll but you'll get your stuff. Oh yeah, no, no, I I think they will. And and I completely forgot to ask about that pin again because apparently the official pin never got there either, or we just didn't ask for it on the last day. I don't know. We were we were so. I mean, we're trying to just get interviews, so that was the most important thing. So I didn't really go back and ask again. I completely forgot about it and just remembered it like yesterday. So honestly, some of the staff seemed really stressed out, and I could I could. I mean, I understand probably why they were and it seemed a little short sometimes when you like have questions for them and stuff, which they were just probably burnt out. And I kind of felt for them. So I really hope that First time it was back, an okay you know? experience for the staff because they got to do it again in six months. Five yeah. Months. Yeah. Yeah. They already have it. They already have a date in there for April, which I was like, wow, that's a, that's like, it seems like that's so close. I'm not sure if I will go to seven. that yet. I will try, but I, I'm going to say. Right now, maybe thirty percent chance I'll be able to go to the April one next year. Maybe John, maybe John can just go, and we'll just John and I. Yeah, I can go. And Jeremy yeah, I mean, won't I'll be go. In Chicago in April. What? What's the date? Do you know? Uh, we, we we can look it up at a later time. I don't know. It's. I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's the first or second week of April. It's usually I, like the second guess. weekend. Yeah, normally it's the second I'm weekend. I'm there for a concert, so maybe I'm gonna have a busy weekend. Oh, is it that? Isn't there like an eel show or concert? Oh, flaming lips. Okay. Well, I mean, if it's if the show is that weekend, then you wouldn't be able to go to the show and the MGC. I mean, you'd have to because they're in two different, you know, because it's in Milwaukee, yeah. not Chicago. I mean, you could if you had a car. True, true. 
I'll talk about some of the games that I got here, and then we'll cut to another interview. But we'll start off with, I guess we'll start off with, um, so, yeah, like I said, I wanted to get some Genesis games. So I bought uh, I bought a bunch of these little little Genesis games. Right off the bat, let's see, what should we start with? Okay, so I got I got Fatal Fury for Genesis. Which is a, there's Terry Bogard cool. right there on the front. That is a sweet label. This game looks great, actually. I, I got... I got all these to work, more or less, but uh, I played all of them yesterday, and uh, Fatal Fury looks really good. Like it, it looks almost as good as the SNK version of it does, but it still has the thing where it like jumps, where you jump in and out of the background, which is a really annoying thing to do, like while you're trying to do a fighting game. So it's still not that fun to play, but I mean, it looks almost as good as the arcade. So I was really impressed by the sprite work. Like sprite work looks really, really good on it. So. So there you go. But I had forgotten about how you move in and out of the background and how that's such a weird thing. But speaking of good-looking stuff, I also bought about Vector Man One and Vector Man Two. So I got I got the Vector Men here for uh, for Genesis. Yeah, the whole Vector family. Yeah, I got the Vector family. Oh. And uh, Vector Man was a uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, I was like, I remember I remember them uh, advertising Vector Man as a response to Don- Donkey Kong Country and have the same sort of like what 3d rendered graphics or whatever and i was like oh that game looks really cool and i remember playing vector man one on say on the sonic mega collection i don't know if two was on there or not but any either way i have i have the actual physical versions of vector man one and two now and these games are fun even though they're really hard and uh there's no continues that's what sucks about a lot of genesis games when you die you're dead and that's it and you gotta start again from the beginning and, uh, well, welcome to the next level. I was going to say, you could say that I kind of beat these because I saw the credits for both of them because they show you the credits when you get a game over. So uh, I did oh, cool. I did see credits because they, they know you're never going to get through the game. So they throw you the credits like right when you die. So it's like, here you go. But no, they're cool. I mean, Vector Man, I think that first level song of Vector Man is pretty, it's pretty baller. Like, I think it's it's got a good soundtrack too. So Pun intended. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of balls there. And Vector Man 2... Looks great, you know they both they both look great. So, so there you go. Do you remember the game Balls? I do. Yep. They, like f- you know, I saw it there for Genesis, and I thought about getting it, but I didn't get it. But I did. I did see it on the show floor. I was like, oh, there's Balls. I'm like, I got enough Genesis games. I don't need any more. Oh yeah, we we met a, we met a guy who was uh who made who created a, a card game called uh, No Fucks Given. That was what it was called, right? It was kind yeah. of like it was kind of like a uh, more extreme version of uh uno but different from uno of course and uh he was cool we talked to him he gave us a demo and all that yeah this is the card for it yeah there it is you have it i i have one i had the card and uh two fucks right turn around yeah two fucks that's it it's called two fucks given right i mean he talks about it in the interview two fucks yeah so I really thought, cool graphic design here. He's he is a graphic designer by nature. Yeah, I thought about I thought about talking to him about designing stuff for us, but I haven't emailed him yet. But no, yeah, we uh we talked to him for a while. We did a little demo of the game. The game was pretty fun. Like he's gonna he's selling it from his website and all that. Uh, it's coming out what like Black Friday, so it's like Black right Friday. around right around the corner. And uh, we did a little interview with him, so we'll cut to that right now. Hey, what's going on, you guys? Darren at MGC with Sort of Ridiculous Productions. Yeah, yeah, we got Darren here. Uh, he's got a game called Two Beeps. Yes, Two Beeps. Two fucks. We, we're an adult podcast. We can say that. All right, that's good to know. There's an explicit warning on our on our podcast feed, so we're okay. But yeah, so uh, 
did you want to explain this game and uh, maybe how you kind of came about creating it? All right. Oh, definitely. I'll, I'll tell you the origin story. So it was about five years ago, last cut of the season. I was living in Belgium, Wisconsin at the time. So we used a riding lawnmower and a push lawnmower. And the riding lawnmower went out. One of the arms did. So I can only go back and forth in circles. So I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to use a push mower for the rest of it. Went into the kitchen, all hellfire and brimstone. I was like, I wish there was a game that showed how much I don't give a fuck. So instead of being pissed off at a broken lawnmower, I wrote the first draft of the rules. So if you notice, these phrase cards here, they all have uh, unique phrases at the bottom. The first session of writing these down, they came from a very passionate place. <laughs> so, this more or less came into fruition because of a broken lawnmower and my beef with uh, some other some other games and whatnot. How, I mean, how long ago was this? How long has this been in development uh, for? I started development. I started development on this five years ago. At least I believe it was five years ago. I think it was 2017 or was it 2016? It was 2017. Yeah, around okay. around this time actually. Okay. Um, I was in school for um, graphic design and computer computer simulations uh, and gaming. So, getting the foundation of uh, game development and and uh, graphic design really played a huge part and made it a lot easier to produce the game on my own. So everything that you see here from the designs and uh, layouts and everything. Um, all me, nice. all me. Yeah, I was gonna say since you were doing uh, graphic design, you you designed all the cards and all the stuff, right? Yes. Very cool. I was uh, I was really um, I I'm a big fan of like propaganda art, okay. like the art style, but Art Deco and uh, constructivism, like the Russian constructivism, like any of like the war propaganda style I things. Almost, uh, uh, I can almost see like the Andre the Giant face in it a little bit. Like the oh, Obey? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I heard that, but that's pretty slick. That is pretty slick. And actually that's like I'm a huge fan of uh a huge fan of that of like that style and, and symmetry generally speaking. Oh for sure, yeah, because you have the two uh, Fs like uh back to back here, so yeah, it's uh Right. And if it, you look at it closely it also kinda looks like a T. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, space. two fucks. Yeah, good use of negative space. It's it's got two meanings, right? Yeah, um, so this game is, is it's inspired by, like, Uno, right? Somewhat, it's inspired by the Uno, the Uno uh, game. Well, the mechanics, if we're going to be technical about it, uh, Two Fucks is an accumulating shedding card game uh, with, uh, with the last player standing uh, winning mechanic. So, yes, you're getting rid of your hands by matching suits and numbers, but uh, that's more or less where where the similarities in but yes it was definitely a little bit informed uh by from from the playing style of of uno yeah i was just uh, for anybody who's listening try to like explain it as best as you can to them without them being able to see it because this is just an audio only podcast oh yeah right so it's like think of it as uno with a vengeance so instead of getting rid of your hand to count points you're managing your hand to not give a fuck which it- there are fuck cards in this game and kind of like, you know, almost kind of like a crazy eights, like that type of thing. Like you have the, the different suits, but the suits are like phrases. So like, right, so when you, right. so when you like would play like a wild card or something, you change the phrase to be like sinister sarcasm or snapbacks or 
exactly. stuff like that, which I think exactly. is which I think is cool. There's some um, there's some uh, yeah. or like I loathe you or I said no and right that's, that's some of the other ones. Oh yeah, um, one of my things one of my things when I was making the game I was like you know people really like to talk talk smack during these games so I was like why not give them the opportunity to do that whether you know let's give them some let's feed them some phrases to say and it's kind of weird uh, because uh, with the synergies of the phrase the different phrase types and the phrases they actually kind of make conversations some sometimes so I'm not sure if you kind of ran into that when you're playing this first time but um, yeah it's, it's pretty riveting when people are getting in really involved in you know slapping the phrases down they're like what or i know right i doubt it you know yo mama you know and that sure, sort yeah. of thing so it's like but that's what the card says i know it's fun all around yeah i could see it being like uh in po- popular from like people who like uh like apples to apples and cards against humanity and stuff like that i could see it see it oh. like fit well in there thank you i, I appreciate that Maybe a good way for a family to blow off steam at the holidays after they're getting kind of sick of each other. <laughs> oh, most yeah, well, there, there are cards that talk about that too. Of course, there's the oh, hazy, yeah. the hazy holiday suit, yes, or phrase hazy. that yeah that gets into that as well. Yeah, the hazy holidays um, was my first idea for an expansion phrase type because you know with Black Friday coming up and it being a holiday season, you know it'd be ideal for this sort of thing. The each phrase type has its own vibe, and Hazy Holidays is a combination of, oh man, we have to deal with relatives, when does the holidays end, and how are we going to get through it, more or less, and yeah. being cheeky about it. Have you, I'm sure you've played this with your family, right? Or with family members? I'm sorry, say that again? Have you played this game with family members? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They thoroughly, they thoroughly enjoy it. I'm not sure if it's just because they're family or because they genuinely enjoy the game. But I think they would tell me if they didn't like it. Sure. Yeah, let's say how many people, aside from the people that you've talked to at like Midwest Gaming Classic, have you had a lot of people? I mean, I'm sure you've tested the game in different places and had people try it. Oh, yeah. I would say I was actually keeping count of how many fucks have been given by lost count. Uh, here at, um, at Midwest Gaming Classic, I want to say I probably had about 30, 30 40 people play play two fucks over the duration of the weekend so far Uh, over since the conception of the game i would say probably closer to like probably 800 people have played oh wow okay yeah like i i love playing i love playing this game with people and um it's taking a while for me to like do like an official release so i was like you know what you only live once i'm going to drop this officially on black friday okay yeah so you do so this is like coming out like in a couple weeks then right yes. and is it gonna sell like is it we able to find this at like target or like walmart or kmart or whatever not yet i'm kind of see what i can do myself uh, as far as like doing things creatively creative control i don't want to be constrained by oh sure yeah you know, constrained by uh the things that i want to do with it so i'm sort of exploring that but anyone that are interested in you know purchasing the game there'll be information for it at my website at uh sort of ridiculous.com sort of like sort of like yeah so s-o-r-t-a t-a ridiculous okay sort of ridiculous.com and you have yeah you have a card like give me a card and i'll put the info on the show and all that stuff and then i'm on social media as well so facebook instagram 
trying to figure out the whole TikTok thing. TikTok is so, <laughs> TikTok is so strange. I, yeah, I don't do any TikTok stuff either. But that's, right. I mean, I have friends who have podcasts that do that. And I'm just like, it's hard enough for me to think up Twitter Twitter stuff to say than, than oh. that. Mostly I just capture 30-second videos of my Switch and put that on Twitter. That's my, because oh. you can record 30-second, you know, video game plays. That's pretty, pretty much what I've been doing on Twitter. Right. Right, so right, right, that's right. that's the one thing that I do. Would you have any plans in the future of maybe making this into a game version, like a video game version? Yes, I actually do have a beta version of it in the tabletop simulator. Uh, being a graphic designer, uh, or being a graphic designer, it's it's been nice that a lot of the more like coding and dev heavy things are plug and play with graphics, and being able to communicate that way has made it. Um, really really easy to or less of a challenge to bring it into tabletop simulator and all the other tools out here available for for devs of the analog and digital you know persuasion it's it's a great time to be a dev (laughs) are you able to export stuff from tabletop simulator as its own independent game or is that just kind of a place to like beta test it that is something i haven't explored enough of I was just trying to get into the sandbox and like, all right, I need to be able to get my game in here. And I'm to the point where it's at least functional, but I still need to learn a little bit of like coding or scripting in order to make some of the things automated, which at this point is more or less just getting it out to people than, you know, like selling, selling it. But uh, it'll be available, so. Will you be able to get it from like Amazon or anything like that, or it's all directly... Where you where you buy it, it's just from your website, right? From sort of ridiculous, or uh, will yes. it be will you be able to get it through Amazon or anything like uh, that? It it will. There'll be some other places. I'll be announcing where else it'll be available, but uh, for the most part, you'll be able to find it on sortofridiculous.com, and um, and links to where you can get it on there. Um, in addition to to the game itself, I I have swag as well. Like I, I see you, you made your own shirts and all that as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Graphic design gets you into a lot of different places. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very it's, yeah, it's good. Do you do uh, I guess we could talk. I was gonna say, do you, do you offer graphic design for uh, do you do as a service? People? Yeah. Yes, yes, I definitely I do freelance. I do freelance things as well. So if you're looking for someone to do some motion graphics, graphic design, some light animation, um, some brand identity ideas for branding i'm into that sort of i'm into that sort of thing so yeah if you guys are into it yeah sure. talk about cool it. yeah so the so the game is two fucks and it's coming out on black friday right and yes. sort of ridiculous.com is the website to find it at yes and all that and yeah i think it's i think it's a lot of fun we just played we played a round of it and uh yeah it's like a it's you know like you're saying a a card a card uh I forget what the actual, you said the actual technical term of the genre of the card. Oh, it's an accumulating shedding card game. There you go. Yeah, that one. Yes. It sounded so technical, like a, like official, like, you know, some sort of professional card player oh, yeah. jargon there. You oh, know? yeah, definitely. I mean, well, you, as a game designer, you have to, you have to know what your game is. You can't be like, well, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. You can, I mean, of course, there's genres like roguelikes and you're like, Sure, or yeah. Metroidvania, which obviously has like the type of has yeah. Metroid in the name, yeah. but for the most part, we, yeah, you, you need yeah. to be able to distinguish a game from others. We have a way to say it that doesn't involve like copyrighted names, also, you know. 
Like, you can't say, like, oh, it's like, you know, it's not like, it's like Una or whatever, you know, like Metroidvania. It has a specific thing that you say. But, yeah, is there, uh, is there anything else you wanted to tell us about it? Did you want to say anything about what you thought? Uh, just that I, I can concur. It's, it's a pretty fun game, and I think uh, people should check out the website and support this developer. I, I am curious, actually. So people that know that know Uno that have played this game and like kind of enter like leading knowing that they know that game, there's always a click that happens. And it's usually after the the people have either gotten rid of their cards and like, oh wait, it's not over? Yeah. Or or some or sometime between that. Like when did the click happen for you guys? Oh, when when I realized like that it was different from, yes. from other games? I think definitely. Well, obviously, yeah. Like you're saying, when your card, when you get rid of your cards, it's like okay. Because I was like, oh, did I automatically win? And you're like, no, because you have to keep going because you have to do the fucks, you know. And I think that's a big thing that really sets it apart. Yeah, I think for me it was that the the fuck cards that you flip over that kind of indicate because I kind of like the how it kind of in a way is a scoring system you have on the table and you can kind of look around and see how your opponent's doing, not just by how many cards they're holding. But uh, I also wanted to say, I kind of thought, I don't know if you've seen that meme. Uh, it's like, it shows a field, and it says, Behold the field where I grow my fucks. Observe that it is barren. Yes. That's what I thought of when you were talking about being inspired by the lawn. <laughs> that is great. Oh, I love yeah. that meme. <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think uh, yeah. It's, it's, like I said, is there anything else you want to add to tell the listeners about this? Uh, let's see. So the Midwest Gaming Classic is my second con. I've been debbing this for five years, like I said before. I'm looking forward and actually looking to go to other cons. Anyone that's even looking to collaborate or because I'm looking at different avenues as far as like maybe different licensing things for different phrase types or um, I don't know, just getting influences, whatever, to play the game itself. Feel free to contact me at... Uh, my hash or my handle is at sorta of ridiculous. So S O R T A R I D I C U L O U S. I'm pretty sure that's sorta of ridiculous. And for the game itself, it's um, at T W O F K S game. Because for whatever reason, you can't use asterisk in your hashtags or ats or handles or whatever. Oh, but, okay. You know, it yeah. is what it is. They'll figure it out. F K S. All right, Darren. Thanks. Thanks so much for talking to us. And, right, thank uh, you. I'll let you get back to, to you know, demoing the game with. All right, no, all thanks that. for playing. Likewise. Yeah, Jerry. no problem. Man. Nice to meet you. And yeah, it was a it, it was a fun game. It's a yeah, like I said, it's like more extreme. I felt like it could exist next to games like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity or whatever. So. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna grab a copy of it for playing with. It's only like twenty bucks too. It's like it's like not expensive at all. You know, so it's, yeah, he made it sound like it was gonna be affordable. Yeah, so it so made it's it very. Not out yet, or uh, Black Friday, it's coming out on Black, Black Friday. Friday. I'll put I'll put the a link to the website and all that so people can check it out. It's not he's it's not distribu- distributing from Amazon or anything yet. It's you if you want to get it, you buy it directly from the person. So he has a website you can go to. And all as far that. as I know, he's doing all the work himself. So he's probably even assembling the packs and stuff. Oh, probably, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's 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 it was a fun game. There's a it's very much like reminds me of like Uno, Crazy Eights, like uh, Skip Bow, like like those type of things. There's like different suits that you can that that are in there that are that are. There's like one called like what Hazy Holidays was one of the suits. 
Or mm-hmm. like I said no was another one and like stuff like that. But yeah, that that guy was cool. That was, that was a fun interview. Let's see. What else what else Genesis games do I have? I forgot that I already had this game for Super Nintendo, but I got it for Genesis also now. I got a Saturday Night Slam Masters, which is a wrestling game made by Capcom, which has our man Hagar in there. The the mayor, nice. the, the angry mayor wrestler is in the game. So it plays pretty good. Um, I, I actually compared it to the Super Nintendo one and they're very similar. So the Super Nintendo one sounds a little bit better, looks a little bit better, but they're the same game. There, there's some games that are different between the Genesis and the Super Nintendo one, but that one isn't. But speaking of which, I got uh, Wolverine Adamantium Rage, which I only had this game for Super Nintendo, and the Genesis game is completely different than the Super Nintendo game. And this one is the one that was hardest to get to work. Like, this is the one that I just could not... I got it to work one time out of, like, 30 different tries, maybe. And Didn't it self-heal? No, it is does not. So I so I'm gonna have to like take it apart or something because it's I'm getting absolutely nothing from it. Well, it'll say like the Sega part at the beginning, but then it'll be black after that. And uh, I was I played it for a while and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave it on because it took me forever to turn it on. I'll come back and play it later. And I accidentally touched the Genesis and it brought up this like error code message screen that said illegal ins on the bottom. And I'm like, illegal. It looked like a. Game Genie codes. It was I'm like, I'm like illegal ends. What does yeah. that mean? So it reminded me of the blue screen of death, like on Windows. Yeah. So it's uh, so unusual I, Genesis screen. So this was one of the ones I was actually really looking forward to play because playing because my friend uh, Daniel Jones in in uh, grade school or well high school also, um, he was a big Wolverine fan and he got this game and I remember watching him play it and I and I later got the Super Nintendo version but I think the Genesis I think this one's better. Like I think I think the graphics look better on this, and I think the story's better, and I think Wolverine controls better, and, and and all that stuff. So I always really wanted to play this one. And there's a part where Wolverine has a has a arch has a villain called Cyber, and he basically has like he basically has LSD on his nails. He has like a, he has metal nails with LSD on it, and he scratches Wolverine and makes him like hallucinate. So there's like this crazy level where there's like you know there's like a star touch const- fuzzy get dizzy. Yeah, pretty much. There's a touch fuzzy get dizzy. Uh, Wolverine level in there from Cyber, so that's pretty cool. There's one in the Super Nintendo one as well, but I think this one's cooler. So I got that. Um, this one, this one is actually a lot better than I thought it would be. But I got a Ren and Stimpy, Stimpy's Invention for Genesis. I don't know if you ever played this game, nice. John. No, I never did. But I've played. I, I mean, I've played all this, all the Ren and Stimpy games on Super Nintendo. Well, I played Vidiots and I played the. Uh, the one, the one with the um, where the, where the they're the the firefighters and you firefighters and they're like Dalmatians, it, yeah. It, it's basically the it, for the shaving yak on Game Gear. It, it's basically the same as the uh, Game and Watch game where you uh, walk back and forth with the bouncy thing where they fall out of the. Th- it's not a good game, but uh, mm. but as far as as far as those three go, I think this one's actually pretty good. I think it, I would even say that it's better than Vidiots. It's, it's definitely easier to play, that's for sure. And there's a two player mode on it, which I wasn't able to do, but. I got pretty far. I got to like the sixth or seventh level on there. So, which is. But didn't Vidiots have a Space Madness level? Like, this is the best episode. I know. That is, Vidiots didn't. There was. Um, not, one of them had a Space Madness level. The um the, the Game Boy one was took place, took place in space. That might be the one that you're thinking of, which I did own that one before I had Vidiots. That had a lot of space stuff in it. But I don't, I don't think that Vidiots had a space one. So, I, there's only like four levels in it. Cause I, I, 
beat it eventually, but they're really hard. But I don't think there's a space bar to it. I'd, I'd have to look at it again. But but yeah, I didn't make it. I didn't make it to space, but I did get to this really weird another like touch fuzzy get dizzy level that was really crazy where everything just goes all weird all of a sudden and and none of it makes sense, but it doesn't have to. But it was fun. But one of my favorite things that I found without a box, which I didn't even know it existed, is the Toxic Crusaders on Sega Genesis. On Genesis. So there's wow, Mr. Cool. This Mr. Toxic Avenger right here. And when you turn on this game, it says Lloyd Kaufman and Troma, Tro- and Troma presents Toxic cool. Crusaders on Genesis. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so uh, I know it's ba- it's based on the cartoon. Obviously, it's not based right. on any of the Toxic Avenger movies. But it's still pretty cool that it exists on Genesis. I didn't even know this. I knew it was on Nintendo, but I didn't know it was on Genesis. So, so that was pretty cool. Oh man, Genesis seemed like a natural fit. Yeah, but it looks it really better. Does. It looks better. You like when you kill the people. You know, you hit them with your mop, and then they kind of explode, and they're like the, their body. It's kind of like the movies, I guess. They kind of explode, and there's like shit on the ground, and then you walk over to it, and he just kind of like cleans it up with this mop. It's, it's fun. <laughs> and the game starts same as the NES game, or no? I don't know. I didn't play much of the NES game. I, I think it is, but with better graphics. But I mean, it's you know, it's it's fine for what it is. Uh, you start off on a you start off on a um, on a skateboard. So it like you know those like levels that you get to later in Turtles. It kind of starts off like that, where you're like going around shooting people. You can get in a helicopter. There's a helicopter you can destroy and get in and fly around and shoot people. And you can get a uh, you can get rollerblades as well and rollerblade around as uh, as taxi. So. It's pretty funny. The, the The best thing is just like destroying people and and then them them having like whatever's left of their body on the ground and then you come up and sweep it and then get it with the mop. That was that was my favorite thing. But yeah, it's a, it has a lot more continues than Vector Man did, so that was a good. Uh, that made me feel better about uh about playing. I was able to get farther. You know, I still got a game over and had to start at the beginning, but I made it through like three or four levels before that. But it's just cool that I just didn't know. You know, I figured that this one wouldn't work because I bought it from. The booth, the booth that I brought it from had a whole bunch of like, it was like all Japanese games, and this was like the only one. So I thought maybe this was a Japanese only thing, but it still worked. I don't know about the region lock stuff on Genesis or not, but I think right here we should cut to our Escapades interview. Well, so, yeah, because let me show you what I bought from Escapades. Let's cut to the interview of Escapades now. And uh, we are here with uh, Escapades again on the show. Finally, again, you're yeah. back on on the Nintendo main. Yeah, I had a lot of fun the last time, and it was good to see you guys here at MGC. I love MGC. This is my third one, so it's kind of uh, a bummer that it didn't happen last year. But I, I heard they're going to have one in April. Yeah, that, that's well. It's yeah, like five months away. It's like, uh, so, so I look so forward close. to getting caught in the snowstorm on the way here and going back. So. Oh yeah. This yeah. is the first time I've been to MGC where there hasn't been snow. Yeah, right? And it's November and it's I mean it's not even that cold. It's like no, fifty. It's out, actually so, super nice out. So it's not bad. You've uh you've been doing a lot of cool stuff since we talked to you last, like uh Oh yeah. You had a few videos. Um the most recent one I've had is uh on Brendan Fraser games on the Nintendo DS. Yeah. So there's three movies from two thousand eight starring Brendan Fraser that were turned into Nintendo DS games. You got The Mummy 3, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and then the one odd one is uh, Inkheart, which is based off of a fantasy ah, novel. Yeah. Um, which not all, I mean, I didn't really, I knew about the movie, but I had no idea there was a DS game until I started collecting DS games 
And yeah, it's uh, very bizarre that they, because it's not really an action movie. It's not really, you know, it's about books. So it's kind of boring. <laughs> but, what, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, that game? one's like a visual novel with uh, just oh, sporadic okay. mini games. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, Brendan Fraser. What he was do? What was he doing? Yeah, it was, the weird thing is, is it's two thousand eight. So Brendan Fraser, you think of like the Mummy, like two, like, um, I was like I was Tarzan. Like, wasn't he in like George of the Jungle? Encino Man. Like, that's so what I was thinking. Nineties and then two thousand, like early two thousands. But then like two thousand eight is not, you know, not necessarily the peak of his career. So. But he's still, I mean, he's still rocking it. Like, a, oh, he's a huge the, fan base. Yeah. Doom, Doom Patrol. Have you watched Doom Patrol? That's an no, ex- excellent show on on HBO Max that he's in. Okay, that's he's cool. He's like, he's my favorite character on there. He's a robot man. Really? Okay. Which is, I don't I know, know if you, I don't know if you've seen that. No. It's really good. It's a, it's a, the Doom Patrol car, comic book, but it's mostly based around the Grant Morrison stuff that he wrote. Okay. It, it's great. It's like third season just started this cool. year. So, he's he's in it. He plays himself when he he's dead and in a robot, so he does voiceover. But you he actually, plays Brendan Fraser. Well, no, he plays he he plays himself as. Oh, okay. He's he's like a he's like a um he's basically like an asshole uh, hot hot shot racer. Ah, okay. Like car racer. Yeah, I checked that. I do have that, HBO. That so. died and his and his mind and his you know consciousness was was reawakened in this robot. With yeah. The, with his brain, his brain isn't a robot. So he's, an so asshole he's robot? pretty much yeah. Well, I gotta watch. I you know I I put the Brendan Fraser episode I did on the Brendan Fraser subreddit, which yeah. is good because it got a lot of views. But then if you, you can't say anything negative, even though I like Brendan Fraser, I wouldn't have spent so much time on the video. If I wasn't a fan, but I also like I'm okay with saying that he, you know, his career took a downturn or he's not in big movies anymore. Which some of the people. You know, who are diehard fans don't want to hear that, so i got to watch what I say. <laughs> well, I just wanted to let everybody know that he is still working. Yeah. And, he, and he's doing some great shit, so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he's in, yeah, he's in some upcoming movies I've seen, too, so. Oh, yeah, he's going to be in a, he's going to be in, like, a DC or a Marvel movie or something. I heard that he got cast as, like, a villain for something. But, okay, cool. So he's coming back around. Didn't, didn't you, didn't, didn't you do some, uh, some videos about a Duke Nukem game also? Oh, like yeah. Like a DS game? So one of, somebody I know, um, found a prototype cartridge of, an unreleased Duke Nukem game, and uh, this was uh, April 2020, and um, it's a first-person shooter, which it, there is a Duke Nukem game that was released on DS, but that one's more of a side-scroller like Contra. And so this one, uh, I made the video, and then right before I posted it, I discovered that it was actually a port of a, a Tapwave Zodiac game, which was basically a Palm Pilot, kind of like an N-Gage, um, that was unsuccessful. So... There is a game called Duke Nukem Mobile, which came out for Tapwave Zodiac and some Samsung phones pre-iPhone. And they were had plans to port it to the DS, and that's how this uh, prototype cartridge came to, into existence. But they never, they never went through with it, they never released it, and as far as I know, it's the only prototype cartridge of this game that's out in the world. I'm sure that the developers themselves probably have some at their house or whatever, but... Um, in my video, I was under the impression that my the person I know who has the cartridge was going to dump the ROM. Uh, I'm not involved in that, so there's a lot of people who comment like, oh, when's the ROM going to be dumped? I don't exactly know. <laughs> I've never played it. I've never actually been in the same state as the prototype cartridge, but I'm happy to have made the first video on it, especially because as soon as I started making it, uh, Metal Gear, uh, sorry, Metal Jesus rocks who also knows this mutual friend of ours, 
was trying to make a video on it, and uh, he was like, no, I, you know, DS Creed's already making a video on it. So that was cool, and that got some attention, which was awesome, and I think uh, it was written up in some, it was written up in a bunch of Nintendo online, you know, publications, which was really cool. Uh, but it does exist, I just have never, like I said, I've never played it, it looks cool. Um, but that was really exciting to be, to be one of the first people to know that that existed was really cool. I don't even know how you would dump a DS ROM. Like, do you know how to do that? I I'm not really a technical type of person, but I do know that if you have a modded, you know, 3DS or DS, um, you can convert it to an NDS file, which uh, can be played on an emulator. So, um, yeah, the footage I got of that prototype was all recorded with um, my friend's iPhone, I think. So it's a little blurry. Um, but it's there, you know, and uh, it is a Duke Nukem game, and I really think it would have been successful if they released it because uh, the original Duke Nukem was kind of a side-scroller like Contra, but the one that everyone remembers are, you know, are the first-person shooters, and those are, seem to be the most popular. Well, uh, not to shift gears too much, but uh, I'd say, you know, that's the videos you make are very impressive, but one of the things that impressed me the most this past year was your Animal Crossing oh. tiles that you did. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, Corey in the house on DS yeah. as your... Well, I could just say that if I had spent as much time making videos as I did playing Animal Crossing, I'd uh, be, have much more subscribers and have a lot <laughs> more videos up. But yeah, uh, once I figured out you could uh, make the tiles into literally anything, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to put a giant you know, DS game on my island, so I had the Corey in the house. Um, so I think you were allotted like 48 or 24 tiles, uh, and I used every single one except for one on that Cory in the House. I also, before that, uh, made I took a whole bunch of ridiculous Kanye West tweets and then like put them around my island. <laughs> uh, some people like to like make castles or whatever, but yeah, I just wanted people to laugh. And so, especially be the first thing when you fly in from another um, island. I'll send you guys a picture of it so you can put it on so people can oh, see oh, it. Oh, like the overview? Like yeah. when you come in with the plane, you can yep. see it like on the ground? That, that's amazing. I yeah. love that. That was really fun. I mean, it just make me laugh. And I mean, yeah. Was, but then I didn't have any, I couldn't like do anything else because it took up all of the custom <laughs> tiles I made. But that was funny. Uh, yeah, I have on my computer somewhere, I have like 50 JPEGs, each one with one 150th of the Corey in the House. <laughs> um, DS cover. That's amazing. I, I wonder if they added. Did, didn't they add more spaces for? Uh, they did. Recently. I think I, they add with yeah. the update. I think you okay. can you can do more. You can make more things. I now. have not so logged in to Animal Crossing probably in a year, but that's just kind of the way I am. I'll play a game like really hardcore and then just stop and then never play it again. So. Well, you should check it out now because okay. they, they added the 2.0 where they did a bunch of I stuff. I stopped playing like when a, you could do diving. I think I stopped playing about a week before they made diving. Oh, things, yeah, so. okay. Yeah, they added a bunch of shit. You can do more like, oh, yeah, more storage and uh, okay. and more you know more custom spots and whatever. whatever no, stuff that was like a lot that. of fun. It got me through the pandemic, and it was perfect timing. It was a lot of fun. So now I'm playing what well, I'm playing uh, Deadly Premonition for Switch. Deadly Premonition 2. Uh, which is really bizarre. I don't want to say. Uh, how how is how is that game? I've played the first. I played the first one. I I didn't hear great things about the second one. I heard there was some like frame rate issues and stuff. Uh, like, how does it work for you? There might have been. I I don't know what it is. I think that like the way that I uh, 
take in information. Like my brain frame rate rate is like way lower <laughs> than what people think a bad frame rate in video games. So if it's like, I grew up like doing YTMDs like in GIFs. So if it's more than three, more than less than three frames per second, maybe it'll look choppy to me. But I really don't care that much. Um, I love the Deadly Premonition games because uh, it reminds me a lot of. Um, you know, they combine stuff of Silent Hill, Resident Evil, and then uh, this, like, Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, Super Twin Peaks. Like, yeah, but then also, so. uh, this uh, reminded me of Season 1 of True Detective. Um, the intro is, like, nearly identical to the Season 1 True Detective intro. Oh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, if you like... So, Swiri is the Japanese a guy who makes all these games. He must be like a huge fan of like cult classic movies because in the game, the main character will just casually reference movies all the time. He'll be like, Anaconda, the 1997 movie yeah. starring Ice Cube <laughs> and J-Lo, you yeah. know, like to nobody. Just to the he still viewer. does that to his car, right? Or he talks to yeah. somebody that he refers to. I he, forget what the name is. Yeah, no. Uh, it's supposed to be like Diane, right, from, from Twin Peaks? Yeah, like, in yeah. Deadly Premonition, the main character uh, has multiple personality disorders. He has two personalities, and one is like his internal self that he talks to all the time. And so he's always, his name is Zach. Yeah, he's Zach. like, oh, isn't that right, Zach? You know, like, and it was really confusing and odd at first, but you can kind of play through the first one, and it's very unique, you know, kind of a unique thing, but also kind of a straight ripoff of a bunch of stuff. But it works, though. I love it. It's, it's, it's paying homage, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I'm also playing Mario Golf. Because I love Mario Golf. I don't like real golf or any other golf game, but I always like Mario Golf. Mario Golf is fun. Have you played, um, what was it? There's another Sweary game on there where you're like in England and you pay your debts off with the animals and all that. Have you seen no, that No, I don't one? think I've played any of his other games. I played just Deadly Premonition 1 for PS3 and then now the second one. I'm probably about halfway done. It just came out like a week or two ago. Okay. It's called like The Good Place or something like that. Something oh, similar okay. to that. It's not the show, but, but yeah. It's I'll a, check it out. Apparently people who like him think it's... Great. Yeah, it's it, it's like a yeah, it's like a debt simulator or something. You like oh, have to okay. pay off your debt, but you can also play as animals and stuff like dogs hmm. and cats or whatever. I don't know. It looked interesting from what I had. But uh, what what are some of like the most in, the like some of the new DS stuff that you've come on that you've come on? Uh, that you've, uh, well, about lately? an hour ago, I bought the only DS game Steelbook, which is um, Adventure Time. I forget what the subtitle is, but. Not that one, okay. not, not the garbage one, but it's another long sentence, and I forget what it is. It's back at my uh, table over there. But yeah, it's the only steelbook that came out for 3DS and DS. comes with a little sword and art book. Um, but I bought it once on eBay, and they sent me the 3DS version. And since it's been about a year I've been looking for it, I haven't found it. I finally found somebody, and so I bought it. Now I can say I own all of the steelbooks for DS, which is just one that I know of. Which is yeah. which is just that one, just the one. Which I I'm not like huge into steelbooks, but I had to have the one since there's only one. The the DS prices are like have like skyrocketed, right? Like oh I saw yeah, especially for Pokemon and Zelda, you know, and then a lot of the JRPGs. I think I just sold sold Etrian Odyssey three for like two hundred thirty dollars or something crazy. Yeah, and so I think I picked that one up at GameStop, you know, last year. I like some of the strange bundles that you post that you find too. Like, what was the one you posted recently? Was it oh. was a it was a GameCube game, but it came with bubblegum discs or something? Oh yes, that just was on eBay, and there was Mario Tennis bubblegum that came in uh, like a clamshell or like a CD holder, but no CDs, and I think the gum was CD shaped. So the listing on eBay 
it was in this candy case, but it was they put the actual game in there too. As bizarre. I'll also send you that picture so you can. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain, but yeah, there's uh, candy, bubblegum, Mario Tennis, GameCube case with a game on eBay. They want like forty dollars for it, so it's just bizarre. I've you know I'll always go on go on eBay and just kind of. You know, if I see something unique, I'll just put it on Twitter because, guys, check this out, you know, like. What's the strangest, like, bundle that you have that? Bundle, I got to say, is the, for 3DS, the Shinobi bundle with the Luigi stylus. <laughs> so Shinobi, you know, the Ninja by Sega, and then it comes with a stylus with Luigi on it. <laughs> and there's also, um, those are sold at Target. And it's, um, I discovered while doing one of my videos, there's two types of bundles. There's the bundles from the publisher, and then there's the bundles from the distributor. Uh, the publisher bundles make a lot more sense. That'll be like the wiffle ball game with the wiffle ball bat, or, you know, like with a plush of that, you know, a character from the game right. series. The, 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 um, the uh, distributors, they have warehouses full of crap, and so they're like, we have all these Mario styluses and, or Luigi styluses, and we have all these Shinobi games. Let's bundle them together, you know. So some of the other weird ones I have are uh, Fear 3 with Orphan DVD or Orphan Blu-ray, <laughs> like a totally unrelated. And then there's another one. Um, I want to say it's... There's some of the, yeah, some of the DVDs that are just unrelated. There's a Panda DS game that came with a National Geographic Panda game, um, which is, I mean, it's related, but one of the, the, in the, in the game, you dress up a panda and you like take your panda for walks and interact with it and tickle it and whatever. But then the DVD is like, pandas will die if you like live next to them. Pandas will die if you touch them. Yeah. Pandas like have to eat bamboo like 30 hours a day or they'll die, you know. So it was very kind of weird <laughs> saying, you know, you can dress up your panda, but also don't look at a panda or it'll die because they're so endangered. Not exactly a conservation panda. No, the, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, as, as far as the, um, the price of DS stuff, like a lot of, yeah, I saw like, I saw the, a lot of that stuff I, that you have, I got for like twenty bucks. Like, oh yeah, it's so many years ago. Like I've seen like the Dragon Quest games of like Skyrocket, oh, yeah. or you have like a Chrono Trigger for like over a hundred dollars. Yeah, Chrono I, Trigger. Yeah, it's, until it gets re-released. These to me, they're the, a lot of them aren't the rarest games. Like especially Chrono Trigger, Dragon Quest. There's a lot of copies out there, but you can't play it on Switch. So you yeah. know what are you gonna do? You're gonna have to buy it on DS. Um, I really do think, especially the Dragon Quest games, it's just a matter of time before they re-release, you know, Dragon Quest 4 through 6, um, which are pretty much DS exclusives in America. You know, they were on Super Famicom in Japan, but we never got those. So if you want to play them, DS is really your only option now. I have to imagine that, like, Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver are going to be re-released. Um, so I would not purchase them for over $100 unless you, like, are desperate to play them because you're going to... You know, by the end of the decade, you're going to be able to play them on a Switch or something. You know. Did you have you have you made big sales like for those uh, hundred plus uh, items yeah, on this, at the show so far? Yeah, I've sold a few. Um, we've done some trades too. I traded for a NES game I'd never heard of called Times of Lore, and the guy was like, "Oh, I'll trade you." You know, he wanted um, Indiana Jones Infernal Machine, and he had it. So I was like, "Sure, whatever," just because I had two copies of the Indiana Jones game. Um, Trying to think of other big things. I've been trying to get a lot of boxes for Game Boy games just because you just don't see them very often. 
my goal here at MGC is to buy games that aren't on eBay. So I'm just like looking for games nice. I literally can't get anywhere else. Um, so somebody has the itchy and scratchy Simpsons game on Game Boy. I want to get that one. Um, oh, wow. All the Simpsons games on Game Boy I want to get. Even though the games aren't fun, I like the, the covers. They're very colorful and cool illustrations on the covers. So Nice. Is there, is there anything else you want to... Is there anything else you want to do? You want to tell us? Uh, no, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. So no, you get no, back to yeah, booth. I'm happy to talk to you guys. Uh, yeah, I haven't posted a video in a while just because I've been busy uh, with all sorts of stuff. You know, I have a regular job, and also, you know, going out game collecting takes up a lot of time. But I am working on some. So, if you do subscribe to my channel, don't be alarmed. It's been a couple months. So, yeah, I will. Hopefully, I have some coming up that I'll be releasing. So I'm excited for that, and I hope you guys have a good trip back to Chicago, right? As you guys are from? Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it shouldn't be, I mean, it was like two hours to get here, so oh, it shouldn't, shouldn't be too right, far. Cool. cool. It was like four yeah. or five hours. We saw at least a hundred dead deer on the way here, so. Yes. Oh, wow. It's same with you guys. It's that <laughs> time of year, yeah. 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 All right. Well, have All a good right, rest of your uh, weekend, uh, man. And that's DS Capades for anybody on here yeah. who doesn't know, and that's DS and then Capades, right? Yeah, C just search Brendan Fraser games on DS. And yeah, I'll be the, I'm the <laughs> I'm only one for that too. Video yeah. on it, so. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you All so right. much for yeah, talking to us. Take it easy. Thank you. Good to see you, man. Number one answer. That that dude that dude is hilarious. Uh, he is. Uh, I don't know if you can tell from the interview, but uh, Kate and Kate and Nate and uh, were like sitting like right on the other side of the table while we were talking to the escapades, and they were just rolling because he's fucking hilarious. He was talking about how he had put like. Corey in the house and uh, uh, was it um, what's his face uh, Kanye West tweets. Kanye West tweets on, on his uh, Animal Crossing island and all that stuff it was like on the ground everywhere and yeah he he had them rolling with, with, his, with his stuff that he was doing but I actually bought this from Escapades, Family Feud on the Super Nintendo I bought this for my partner because we like playing music games and lately we've been playing game show games together after i bought family feud on the switch i thought it was only logical to get this on super nintendo because she actually has her own super nintendo and some of her own games for that already so i just like nice. bolstered her collection and we've been playing it and obviously it's archaic uh one of the funniest things we got we were playing it the other night and we got what are some things you write on a check stub? <laughs> that was so funny. Cause it's like, I remember yeah, learning all that in nothing. high school, yeah. <laughs> but like, I haven't used like a checkbook to like keep track of my finances really ever. You never balanced your time, checkbook. I, I only, yeah, I only did it. I only did it in school for, for class. I never did it on my own, but it was just like the most archaic, archaic question. But this one's a lot harder than the switch one because it doesn't you'll type something you. in. Yeah. Right, you'll type something in, but if it's not specific enough, it'll say it's wrong, which is really annoying. But we actually had a glitch where we typed in, so it was like, what is, what's the thing in your car you touch with your hands the most? I rang in, I said, steering wheel, number one, should be number one answer. Eh, not on the board. And the weirdest thing happened, the computer rang in and also said steering wheel, spelled it exactly the same way with the space and everything. Eh. And then the whole round went through however it did. And at the at the very end, when it reveals all the answers, steering wheel was number one, spelled exactly <laughs> the way both me and the computer spelled it. So there was some kind of glitch there. But I mean, other than that, this is family feud to a T. The guest is like generic. I don't even think they or the host. I don't even think they say what his name is. But uh, 
we got to where we're just playing on a we'll just like use one controller and like guess together you know like i'll i'll type it in because it takes forever to type it in and and uh we just kind of work as a team so we did actually beat it the other night where we beat a couple of we beat two families and it gives you like a code where you can continue so we're on the third the third tier families and family feud on the super nintendo thanks ds nice. for this Rockin' gift that I was able to buy for Shauna. Does that say game tech? Just like how you were doing the music corner in your house, and I need to have a game show corner, and I want to see like I guess so with the the buzzers and everything. Does it It say game tech? It says game tech in the corner, right? Yeah, because I can use that to segue to this game that I got for Genesis, the humans. Also, humans also also done by game tech. This is okay. So. Both of these were games that my friend uh, Daniel played on his Genesis. And there was one Christmas where he he could only get one game for Christmas. And it was between the humans or Wolverine Adamantium Rage. And he ended up getting Wolverine Adamantium Rage and he didn't get the humans. And I felt kind of funny uh, because I'm thinking about it. I was like, well, I got both of the games that he wanted at once for like $15, you know. Actually, probably not that cheap. I think I got them for like 20 something you said to wait like 25 years. But uh the humans it's basically it's kind of like lemmings. It's like a same similar sort of thing like they don't they don't walk on their own. It it, it kind of felt like a mixture of like the lemming like lemmings and uh the lost vikings like that type of thing where you can kind of switch between your characters. You have to use like you can you can uh get a, you can crawl on them to create ladders like human ladders and stuff like that. In the first level, you have to like find the first spear or like learn how to move, use a spear or whatever. Later, you'll learn how to create fire and stuff like that. And it's got a lot of, it's you know, it's funny. Like it's it's got a, it's got a lot of cool like in between cutscenes, and it looks really good actually. And I remember him saying that this game was really really good. And I never actually played it, and I found it. And since I was on a quest to get Genesis games, I'm like, oh shit, the humans! I should get that. So it's like full in box. No, uh, it doesn't have the it doesn't have the book, but. It's still, and it works, and it works well. And just because I'm determined to have it for every system that I own, I bought Street Fighter Two for the Genesis because I didn't have it yet. About about Street Fighter Two Special Champion Edition, which is kind of weird to play with only three buttons, but that's what I did. And uh, maybe you know this since you owned a Genesis. How the fuck do you kick? How do you use your kicks? I don't remember. I cannot figure out how to do it because. I tried to go I because I only I only use two buttons on Super on Street Fighter. I use a uh, hard punch and hard kick. That's all I use. So I'm like, can I just make those two buttons the two buttons on the controller? And I can't. If you go if you go to the options, it says, you know, it says like light, medium, hard kick, or it says light, medium, hard, like not kick or punch or whatever. And it has that for the three buttons. And I'm like, well, how the fuck do you kick then? And I kind of just randomly did it from button mashing, but I'm like. There's got to be, like, maybe you press it less or you hold it longer, but I could not figure out how to kick. I could only do punch moves. As I recall, I wasn't remember. wasn't Street Fighter one of the reasons why they released the six-button controller in the U.S.? Because I yeah, believe it, yeah. It. Yeah. it was so popular, right? Well, probably Mortal yeah, Kombat also. One time. Yeah, I would think Mortal Kombat, too, because that was a big thing for them, especially the first one, having, like, blood in there and all that stuff. Because you need, you need uh, five buttons, at least, for Mortal Kombat. But, uh... One thing I found really interesting about the about the Genesis version is you can make it really really fast. Like you can turn up the turbo to like 11, like literally. 
like it, you could you know you can you can make bring the turbo up to like three or four on the genesis on the super nintendo version but the genesis one you can make it really really fast so i like took the turbo like all the way up and played the game on like super super fast mode and it was fun but i did have a hard time with the analog stick like throwing uh hadokens and stuff because it's the analog stick is weird to me the genesis one is i don't like the in-between thing but it's but it looks great it, and i'd actually already played this game because it was on my it's on my mega drive mini and it's on the the genesis mini if you have one of those but it's still you know it's the box i want to get the box of it and you know i have street fighter i've said before street fighter 2 is the game that i own the most on the most amount of systems so felt like it was time to get street fighter 2 for genesis so i did and I also got I got another fighting game that's not as good. Well, not that good. Not, it's it's whatever. But I got Justice League Task Force, which I already had. Oh yeah. I already oh, had yeah. I already had this game on Super Nintendo, but they're completely different. The games look completely different. Like all the backgrounds are different. All the characters look different. Um, the music is different, and the cutscenes are different. But the but the script is the same. Like they say the same things, but the games look completely different between the two of them. So. So it was like, okay, it was worth it to get the other one. Plus, I like, you know, and this one has a book, too. This one actually has the manual with it, which is great to have, you know, any games that actually come with manuals. So, I was and- so excited for that game, and I rented that, too. And, and I remember just being disappointed because it looked great, but it played pretty terribly. I could not figure out how to do any special moves. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Even though, I mean, I think all of those... Special moves are pretty much the same. Like even like trying to do like a down forward thing, I couldn't get anything to work. But, but I got a pretty good combo going with Aquaman, where I'd like kick the guy and then hit him with my uh, with my trident. So I didn't make it through like halfway through the game doing that. But I thought it run. I thought it ran pretty well. I just could not figure out how to do any of the any of the special moves for for the characters. But I thought the cutscenes looked great. Like I thought they looked a lot better than the Super Nintendo version. But yeah, it was it was cool. And just because. I was on this weird kick of Genesis games. I also bought Judge Dread for Genesis. <laughs> Don't ask me why, because wow. because I was keeping on the I was keeping on the uh, you know I, I like I like comic book games even though I know this is based on the Sylvester Stallone movie. But this game is actually all right. I, I played it. It kind of reminds me of uh, reminds me of like Alien Three on Super Nintendo, which is a game that I really liked. This one also has also has the book with it. So there you go. Also has the manual, which is cool. It's like it reminded me of that because there's like a you have specific missions that you have to do, and there's little little computer screens that you can look at that'll tell you like how far you are on the mission and all that, which is the same thing you can do on Alien Three, and it was it was pretty fun. I remember renting Judge Dredd as a kid and just being confused with the game, and I can see now why I was, I guess, because it took me a while to figure out how to destroy the ammo. You're supposed to destroy ammo in it. Like, you know, go and find the ammo that they're hoarding and destroy all of it. And I couldn't figure out how to do it. But but I was able to get through the first couple levels, and it was kind of fun for what it was. But, yeah, I got some got some more Genesis games there. So there you have it. That's a good batch of games. You got a couple more things too, right, Jeremy? So I found a booth where they, were sell- they had a big bin of stuff that they were selling for a dollar. I'm sad to say I bought a GameCube game, Tech 3. Which actually has good reviews online. If you look, it's Metacritic wise, it's like in the sevens. But what what is the full name this, of it? It's called like Hour of Juju. No, that's Tech, the fir- that's the, the first one. The great the great Juju challenge. Yeah, we we look we looked it up. Yeah, Tech and the Power of Juju is the first one, and this is the third one. As of now, the disc does not boot up. I threw it in my GameCube. I tried to get it to work. 
gave it a couple tries. It'll get past the the uh, the title screen and everything, and then it freezes. Did you try washing it? The start is the juju challenge. I haven't tried washing it off. I haven't gotten too extensive with my rehabilitation of, but it does look like it's pretty buffed up. Like it's got those those horizontal scratches that are not good. Yeah. I know, I know there's like that solution that you can get to kind of rub into it. That'll sort of like even it out, but I've tried that. I'm there's try. Cause I have that paper Mario thousand year door game that doesn't work. And I've tried everything on it. I've tried washing it. I've tried like the solution and all that. And I cannot get it to work. Like it just, I've got a copy of Tony Hawk. It's like that. It just doesn't work. So, and it sucks because it's my copy. Like I didn't like, get it used anywhere like i've had it and i didn't like abuse it and it's not really scratched it just doesn't load you know and i've tried it on on wii's and multiple game cubes and it just won't load and i don't know what the fuck is wrong with it but every time yeah you try to it says disc error every time you try to start on anything so that's a shame though it's a shame but if i get it working i'll do an update this is the other thing i bought for a dollar yeah <laughs> the, the the faded mario galaxy mouse pad Yep. I'm sure you're used this that. Is obviously used. You can use it all the time now. I mean, do you have a mouse for your computer? Isn't it all? I guess you might for your like regular yeah. computer, right? For your uh, tower one. The one I'm on right now, yeah. Yeah, the regular one. I can one. totally use the it. Non, the it's, non-laptop it's working one. With the, I guess you can't see, but it's yeah. working just fine with the optical mouse. So I believe you. This is my new, my new, game, my new game mouse pad. But I guess game-wise... I think we're about to the point where we're pretty similar on what we have left. Let I'll me say, double save, check. Save the, save the big thing for the end. For the, the big thing that we both got. I figured that will be hey, our uh, that will be our ender. Because we have an interview with that too. Yeah, that's that as far as stuff I got that was unique, I think everything else we're the same on. Okay, well, this will segue into our next interview, but Jeremy and I both got this. We ended up getting it for free from friend of the show, Jeffrey Wittenhagen. But we did we did an interview with Jeffrey Wittenhagen, who was one of our well, he wasn't he wasn't I said that he was our first guest of all time. He was the first guest that I had that I didn't already know, because John was actually okay. our, technically our first guest. But uh, and, and both John and Jess had already been on it before that, and he's not on the show until like episode thirty nine, I think. Yeah, it's thirty nine is when Jeff was on there. So it's a lot. I was telling him that it was episode five. I was so wrong. <laughs> it was much later than that. But yeah, episode 39 was when we had him on there, and he was writing the book, uh, The Complete NES, and uh, this is The Complete SNES, the the um, paperback version, and I was going to buy it from him just for, you know, just for doing an interview with us and all that stuff. And he's like, you know what, don't worry about it, just take it, just take it, it's fine, you know, I won't have to pack it, you know, it's all yours. So he just gave it he to even us. Was like, so uh, was really cool. He was even like, you could just have it, and I'm just sitting over there, like, not piping in, he's like, you you take one too. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was really, really generous. So thanks Jeff for these. These are really cool. I've been looking at it. I, I really like it. I showed it to Shauna. She thinks it's really cool too. And uh, it was one of the main reasons I really wanted to talk to Jeffrey Wittenhagen again is because the first time we talked to him, he was just writing books, you know, doing like the complete NES and the complete SNES and stuff like that. But now he has a, a company, like a, a game company where he makes, you know, you know, where they make physical games of indie titles and stuff like that, including mm-hmm. one of John's favorite games, uh, Super Blood Hockey. They're the ones who did yep. the physical version of Super Blood Hockey, among many other games like a robot, a robot called Fight. They did that as well and some other stuff. And it's a premium edition is what it's called. And I wanted to talk to him about that and all the stuff that he's been doing with that. So we'll cut to that interview now. All right. So we are recording and uh, Jeffrey Wittenhagen 
It's been too long, man. You were our like very first guest that I think I we was ever your had. First guest? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. On Nintendo Man. Yeah, and we'll be hitting episode 300 here in about a month. Episode 300, Kyle. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, like five episodes or something like be that. So. To find out, yeah, which number? Which numbered episode that was that wow. Jeff was on? I thought, I thought it was like five or six or something like that. We were like very, very at the beginning of it. So That is wild, man. Yeah. So it's like, a, I, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. You know, I always see you running around on here. And I, I think oh. every time I miss you, like almost every year. But I was like, all right, this time I'm going to make sure and get. Literally like Batman just show yeah. up and never and disappear. Out of concealment. Make sure and talk to you this time for sure. Because now, I mean, when I first met you, you had you just had like the complete NES, the books and all that. But yeah. now you have. Now you get the physical Switch games and stuff that you're making and all that. Oh yeah, it's been it's been a wild uh, few years since yeah. we've talked. I mean, I went from having a couple books to over 20 books to signing over a dozen authors to releasing books all across the world to now Nintendo authorizing me to be a licensed publisher for the Nintendo Switch, which is super wild, dream come true, like something I've always wanted to do as a kid. It's been wild, freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Like it, so what? Are, what are some of the games that you have physical? Like you have, um, what is it? A robot, robot named Fight. That's that's one of them that's on there. Isn't Super Blood Hockey? Didn't you do a physical of that too? One of our hosts who isn't here, that's like one of his favorite Switch games. Like so he's he gonna be disappointed that. that he's not talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, we did Super Blood Hockey and the Pigeon Dev Games Collection as part of our first series of releases. We do them in batches. Okay. Um, the Pigeon Dev Games Collection is four games. Uh, the main ones you would have heard of was Awesome P1 and 2. There's some retro-style platformers that have, like, Game Boy graphics mm-hmm. um, covered on, like, Metal Jesus Rocks and, and yeah. John Riggs' channel and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and then in our Series 2 was the robot, a robot named Fight, as well as Demon's Cheer Plus. Which was also one that we have, which we still have some copies here at the convention, which the convention's over now, of course. Yeah, we're, we're here like at the very, very end of it here. Like <laughs> I said, I, I didn't want to keep you too too much from take, oh. packing up all your stuff and all that. Oh, it's but, all good. It's all good. But how, how's the convention been for you? Like, have you been uh, able to sell a lot of stuff? So when I come to conventions, I more so come to, to hang out and meet up with old friends and just do my thing. Um, selling things is, you know, secondary to me, even though like we literally are coming with like, or leaving with nothing. Like we only have a couple. I brought... 30 bucks, I have two left. Um, we sold out of two titles and have like no case. All the boxes underneath the table that you can see right here are all empty. So nice. it's craziness. Now, that being said though, I just like to make cool stuff. So when I bring cool stuff, like if people want it, that's cool. Like that, and I'll keep doing it. And that's been my motto is like enjoying what I'm doing, doing it the highest quality possible, why I wanted to call the company premium, mm-hmm. and then just going to the moon with whatever cool things I could possibly do. So coming here, the sales were amazing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we've gotten to the point now where we also have a team with uh, JP and Barry for premium at Retro World Expo this weekend. Okay. And then we have another team in Rhode Island at an anime convention. So we've had three teams oh, nice. at three different conventions. I'm here because I love Midwest Gaming Classic. I was sure. Think. Yeah. This one's the fun one. Yeah. But yeah. So the the sales have been ridiculous. It's humbling to you know get that much support out of the community, and I'll keep doing it as long as people enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. What's been What's been a highlight of the of the show so far of the of the so weekend? So outside of getting you know back into the groove of hanging out with everyone and oh, you know, yeah. sharing a, a stage with the hair of the dog cast over here because like we were running this bonus stage that literally you know dan loosen who runs it's like hey i have this idea and i think jeffrey you can make it happen that was about all the direction he gave us for this entire stage thing 
and the rest was all you know Tom and Tom and Brad over there like setting up and getting the guests and I was getting people that I knew that to come on and do like little talks on how to clean a Nintendo cartridge or how we had people coming on all weekend yeah um, but like that's a super cool highlight just being able to hang out with everybody but also checking out the Nest Maker community and how it's exploded over the last yeah. two years those guys are great we just did an interview with them earlier oh, today yeah. they actually we both bought one too and all, yeah. the, all the new games that came out like yeah. it has been a cool cool thing to see and like a lot of the guys got their start because they read like one of my books and some stuff like that and they're oh, like nice. oh my yeah. god I can't believe it. you're here and all this stuff and I'm like oh, I just made a cool book man like, yeah, yeah. like it's it's fun like I appreciate the uh, you know the, the the rep but you made the games you guys are the creators well I remember you being like really really big into like the the homebrew NES stuff and all that, yeah. like when, when I talked to you before. I always called it like aftermarket releases. Sure. You know, it came out after the market. And I found um, a new Turbo Graphics game here called Cleopatra's Curse. Um, that one's like a Metroidvania, and he's porting it to Sega Genesis. Oh, okay. And then I got a brand new Vetrix homebrew as well. That oh, looks wow. so amazing. Oh, wow. And so, like, I picked up a couple different systems because I already supported all those Nest Maker guys. I've already mm -hmm. had all those games. So yeah. I found some other different pieces. And the interesting piece is, is what we're doing with Premium Edition Games is we're working with, you know, more smaller developers. Um, we have one title coming in our third series that's a really big one, but every other game we've done has been with small developers, sometimes a single programmer, just yeah, yeah. like with Nestmaker. And even talking with the Nestmaker guys, I'm like, if we can get it ported to the Switch, some of your games would be amazing on the Switch. Oh, I, yeah, definitely. I would love, I would love to see that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they would as well. It's yeah. already happened with Steam. To, it's already happened with Steam to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Well, exactly. A lot of them have gotten it over to the Steam. And um, I mean, there's a guy over here that can offer porting oh, at yeah. this convention. Like, I just happened to talk to him, and one of the guys I was talking to was like two tables over. I'm like, hey, you might want to talk to him because <laughs> he might be able to make it happen for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I wish, uh, yeah, we should have found him, but I don't, I don't know where that is. But yeah. yeah. For sure. Is there is there anything like coming up with a premium edition that you want to talk about or that you can talk about, like um, the future stuff? So we did just do our third premium direct. So our third series has been announced as of Thursday. Okay. So we're doing Cathedral, which I have up on my banner over here, which is another Metroidvania, but it's more like a Metroidvania, Metroid combined with Shovel Knight. Okay. Um, has really cool, you know, medieval aspects, lots of awesome power-ups, really, really fun game. Um, and then we announced Phenotopia Awakening, which is a beautifully, uh, you know, graphically illustrated game. Has an awesome story. Really like like the pastels and the graphics and the music's amazing. Um, that one, a lot of people have been freaking out about uh, that we announced it. Nobody knew about it, and they don't know how they haven't known about it because that's how swamped the eShop is on the Switch. Oh yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Like it's well, it's like 20 games a week, right? At least. Yeah. Like sometimes like 40. It yeah. seems like of what they're releasing there and. And it's insane. It's really easy to get. I mean, I'd be nervous about. Look, we've talked to indie developers on our show. Yeah. They're just nervous about that, about that launch week because it could easily get buried, you know, and people may not even remember it if it doesn't, you know, because it's just the way things are set up on there. Well, and, and luckily, I know how to hunt for the good games, and that's sure. where you know it comes having the keen eye. Plus, developers reach out to us. Mm -hmm. But like, we're doing for the first time a third game in our series, and this one is like almost a dream come true because there's some big giant IPs that are associated with it that um, I never thought I'd be working with. <laughs> like it's it's insane. So um, the game's called Mighty Fight Federation. It's a fighting game. It's a four player, up to four player fighting game that plays like Power Stone, with okay. tons of combos and it has online code capabilities, cross console compatible. Um, 
there's initially 12 characters, but there's four DLC characters with it. One of them is Ukulele. So okay. the spiritual successor to right, Banjo Kazooie. There you go. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's huge. Yeah. And then the other one, Toe Jam and Earl. Okay. So like working like Sega Genesis, Kyle and I, we did a whole episode on Toe Jam and Earl. Like yeah. that is one of our classic games that we really enjoyed. And then they just revealed that they're doing two more, which we revealed with our trailer. Mm. Um, River City Ransom. Okay. Kunio Kun and Ricky are nice. in the game playable. And then the final one. It's a game you might have heard of by a developer called uh, Koji Igarashi. Okay. Uh, Bloodstained. Miriam from Bloodstained oh, is wow, playable that's awesome. in the game. Wow. So, like, four giant IPs in this game. Um, and the music in the game, some of them are developed by, like, the original Capcom artist who did some Mega Man music. Oh, shit. Like, stuff yeah. like that. Nice. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of legendary developers in it. And so, like, we're able to bring this physically. And we also did a tease where it may not just be Nintendo. Okay. Might be another console that we might release it nice. physically for. So. And that was and that was a direct that like just happened recently. It's just happened on Thursday, so it's up on our website on right Thursday, now. Thursday, okay. Yeah, awesome. right before yeah. the convention. So we actually showed it off here when we did our premium edition games talk, and we did commentary with one of the other Hair of the Dog cast members where we did commentary over it, so we could talk about each game in depth. Oh, awesome! Really yeah, fun. yeah, I'll have to check that oh, out yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun. So it's like crazy. We're gonna have seven games, you know, after this launch. Mm -hmm. um, those go on sale 16 November, you know, 2021. 16 okay, November okay. for a yeah, one so month pre-order. When we do our retro editions, which are you know like a Super Nintendo size box with a full soundtrack and everything, those are gonna be limited to 500 copies on our website. So super, you know, like limited scope. But then the standard editions, open pre-order. Mm -hmm. As many copies as people want to pre-order, want to get the game, perfect. That'll be fun. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a really interesting um, aspect to watch because of the crazy amount of hype we've seen behind this series. Mm -hmm. And that's, is, that a, is the physical and the digital like coming out at the same time? Digital have already been out on most of these games. Oh, so these oh, games yeah, yeah, that oh, people yeah, haven't yeah, heard sure. of yeah. are out. Yeah. And so the DLC hasn't been released for Mighty Fight Federation. Um, but the game has been out with oh, okay. with yeah, uh, yeah. ukulele and Toe Jam and Earl. It's already been out. Okay. But the game's twenty to thirty dollars mm -hmm. on eShop, so we're doing it forty dollars physical. Like, oh sure, fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, like you're saying, you can help. Uh, you can basically help like indie stuff get more attention by having the physical release of it. Exactly. And it won't disappear into the into the eShop like well, that. Well, and plus another aspect that we do with our physical releases inside of our games, we have a challenge card. And on the back, the developer created a challenge, and you earn a free patch, which I have sewn on here on my, you know, my jacket. Yeah. We have challenge patches. So I will mail it to you for free if you beat the challenge, just like they did with Activision back in the day on the Atari. Oh, wow. So we're doing that. So like, if you play like Demon Steer Plus or Pigeon Dev and you beat the challenge, we mail you a patch. And we also have unboxing patches where if you do an unboxing online, we'll mail you an unboxing patch with like our logo. Oh, um, cool. I have a yeah. Nintendo Power looking logo that I did for Series 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, been really fun to do. Um, and that brings even more interactivity because, like, for example, Loren Lemke, who programmed Super Blood Hockey, was interacting every time somebody beat his challenge, and it was like, take a, take a life in Super Blood Hockey. And it, like, shows it in gruesome and gory ways, like, bled out through the groin or craziness. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> like, it was awesome. And then he's, like, interacting, and the developer's getting excited because more and more people are playing his game, and he's getting more attention from the entire gaming community. It's just mm -hmm. really awesome to see. And that was one thing that I wanted to personally do, and it, like, took off like wildfire. 
Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and really gets everybody like involved and yeah. yeah, and they get to talk directly, well, somewhat, you know, to the creators and all that stuff. Yeah. That's cool. It reminds me of like or even like the old like the the Mighty Marvel Society and all that, like from the comics. Do you remember they would yeah. send you stuff? It's like kind of that same sort of thing. Exactly. You know, that, yeah. I mean back in the day I was a river raider for beating River Raid with a certain point score. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I got so that from bringing Activision. It, bringing yeah. it back, yeah, yeah. Super cool. How are the how are the books doing? Are you do you have any more of those that you're so, working on? Um, so basically, I mean, the sales here have been awesome. My last book that I just have been printing now is the Switch Collector Volume Two. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been doing year by year of the Nintendo Switch. Volume Two covers the first half of year two. Um, here's the thing that's crazy though: I did the math, and in order to get the the quality that I'm doing, it would take about ten volumes to get through year four. Yeah. And that would take me another 16 years to finish at the pace that I'm able to go with premium edition games. So I'll be in my 60s when I finish just through year four, and the Nintendo Switch is in year five, by the way. So right now, at the time of this recording, so like, insanity, right? Like, that's a pretty. I mean, that's a pretty big. Uh, that's a huge project to, to well, do. I mean, even even wanting to. I don't do anything to, yeah. else. I don't do like yeah. a Genesis book or a 64 yeah. book or anything else. Like, I just do Switch stuff, yeah. and I'm not able to do any more. Like, I'm doing hardcover strategy guides with premium edition, so. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to have somebody take up the mantle for writing and things like that in mm -hmm. order to get them out in a reasonable amount of time. I was just saying, like, even the idea of trying to cover all of the Switch games is just an enormous endeavor. Well, because, and that yeah, book it's series like so wasn't much. just the physicals. Yeah. I covered a highlight of the digitals release that time frame, yeah. too. So yeah. it's insane. Yeah, there's just way too many fucking games on yeah. that, that system. But it's, uh, I'll keep going, but it'll be yeah. at my pace. And yeah. eventually they'll have a library of every game released on Switch with a giant, huge encyclopedia of the Switch, Switchopedia, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a huge thing, but I, yeah. That, that's the series yeah. I've been working on. Um, I might do a definitive edition of my complete NES book and bring it up to the quality standards since mm -hmm. it's already written and sure. do some nice real fun layouts with it. Okay. Um, but outside of that, finishing up a Black Box Challenge book, so the game that I released, Jeffrey Wittenhagen's Black Box Challenge, uh -huh. I was doing a Worlds of Power style narrative book for it. Um, I just got to get it printed. So, oh, okay. Things like that. So yeah, so you still got a lot of that, a lot of that stuff going. And then yeah. printing other authors' books, which yeah. <laughs> look amazing, like the Punch Out book that's coming out, Perfect Punch Out, mm -hmm. and um, there's a video game consoles collector, video game console collectors field guide. That's very mouthful, but that's a giant book that um, the guy Tristan created, which is amazing. I think I saw stuff about the Perfect Punch Out online. They, yeah, Daniel, the author, is, it's such a beautiful book, and it's going to be like the biggest book I've released. Oh, like nice. it is huge. Like giant, it might break the coffee table. <laughs> like craziness. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Uh, lots of cool stuff. Yeah. Is there? Um, I don't. I don't want to hold. I don't want to hold you up yeah. too much because uh, I know you got to take all this stuff down. But well, ask it, Kyle what he's uh, found at the convention because he found some really cool stuff, Kyle. Yeah, I would say uh, people who think, you know, because price has gone up with everything lately. As far as collectibles go, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start uh, but uh, it'll probably be like a what Jeff and I yeah. created was the uh, $100 challenge. So we'll see how much wow. we can get for $100 around the whole convention for the whole weekend. You know, normally we'll wait till the very last day. But, I mean, you actually never know. Mm. You know, when you're gonna get that actual deal. So um, yeah, tonight we'll unveil what each of us has gotten. And just, just to see. But yeah, there's still lots of action figures out there. Um, Z-Bots and stuff like that. You can still get a lot of those. I would say the key is um, go for like the lot 
get like a lot of uh, figures if you can. Just how much will you sell them all? Instead of getting like one, two, three, it's better just instead of piecemealing it, it's better just get everything. And then a lot of there's a lot of like new generation stuff like Vectrix and they're still creating stuff. And the beauty of it too, they're still creating art and they're still creating really cool stuff. Like Jeff got this splatter house. Um, kind of like 3D art deal as well, and, and the Vectrix, which uh, he'll talk about in a second. Yeah, these are my two that I got for, this is combined with $100. Oh, that splatter house looks amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a 3D so, uh, framed splatter house. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. For anybody at home who you know, obviously can't see it. And then the Vectrix homebrew that I alluded to earlier is Vector Blade and CIB, and it's in a red cartridge that lights up. And look at that awesome, you know, bezel that goes inside the Vectrix. Like, that's going to be permanently displayed in my Vectrix at home. Like, it looks so cool. Well, and it, it's just so sick as far as the display goes. And being a scary movie fan, like, Spider-House I mean, is like, one of the favorites. I mean, like, but the 3D aspect of it, like, you can't beat that. And this horrifying theme of this game may be inappropriate for young children and cowards. <laughs> cowards. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you were into horror movies as well. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I might like them a little bit. And here, too, there's, like, a lot of, uh, Board games, which I've noticed too, a lot of people would dismiss board games, but there's stuff like Aliens and Predator and Jaws and Terminator and just stuff. It's amazing, like backdrops and amazing display aspects for your collection too. You can open up the game and play it, the Turtles and all that. You can actually play it with your family and stuff like that, but you can also display it. And, uh, it just looks so killer. Yeah, because I have a lot of the old, like, Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you know. Sure, yeah. Stuff like that. So, um, the old G.I. Joe games and stuff like that. But a lot of people don't think when they're decorating their, like, you know, retro and making stuff, you know, look vintage. Don't forget about those things. I think there's oh, yeah. a lot of things people forget about. And like those small figures, your Z-Bots, your Muscle, you know, your Battle Beasts, stuff like that, your Monster in uh, my pocket, stuff like that. So the thing is with these conventions, I kind of want to want to instill is um, games definitely. And I did get a, like a minty Shadowgate for three dollars, by the way, for NES. Well, with the with the box and all that. No, I already have it in the box, so I got it loose. Okay, I, I saw one over. I don't know where, like somewhere over here. I saw one for like five bucks. What's or great about like that. that? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, that was probably the same one I got. Yeah. What's great about that is, and there's a dude who's getting like a stack of like twenty of them. There's still dollar to three dollar games out there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not That's like the wild thing. Yeah. It's not like everything's ten to twenty dollars. You can get some real cheap stuff, stuff. Unfortunately, is but you can find that guy mm -hmm. that has those deals. Yeah, we we found a box of like dollar just dollar games, and Jeremy got like a, a, a Mario Galaxy mouse pad for like a dollar and stuff like that. That's fantastic. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so it's like you guys have to look harder, but maybe that's better because we just gotta you know buckle down. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, awesome. cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. I'm gonna let you. I, everybody's yeah. like. Everything's coming down around us, but oh, I'm it glad. sounds like a horror movie over there. Yeah. The guys like taking the tables, like it's audio. And it's like, Arr! yeah. I say I know you got stuff to do. Um, oh yeah, I gotta. How pack much? Up how much little. is your? This uh, is one of these. How much are these? So for you guys, it's on the house. Oh shit! Okay. Because well, I gotta take them home now. 
Wednesday. Oh, I was going to say, I'll, I'll buy one for yeah, you right now, but we can figure that out when we're yeah, not we'll recording. Yeah, we'll figure that out, man. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for talking to us, and yeah. it, was, it was great to see you Appreciate again. Appreciate you always. having me on again. That's yeah. awesome. So getting uh, episode five or six all the way almost to episode 300, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, you were there at the very beginning. We met you at that arcade show arcade in Chicago or something like that. Arcade Video Game Room Expo, you remember yeah. that one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Congrats, guys, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, awesome. th- yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. We thought we were awesome when we got to 100. We're like, all right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have stopped then, too. No, no, it's it, <laughs> it's, it's fun. I mean, we're all, it's it's an excuse for all of us to hang out and talk about games and all that yeah. stuff. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's a great excuse. And during the pandemic, we actually, you know, we reached out to a lot of developers, and we did, like, interviews and stuff. And Amazing. some people actually sent us, like, free Switch games and stuff like that to review and all that. So it was cool. Oh, that's the best part, man. So we were getting our name out there and all that stuff. All right, cool. Thank cool, you so much. Thanks. Appreciate and uh, we'll see. And there it is. It was very, it was very cool to talk to him about that stuff. And uh, that was a cool interview because like the show was shutting down around us. And yeah, we got him at nice, the last like, minute, at <laughs> the very last we got, minute. We got yeah. to kind of cling to the vestiges of MGC as yeah. it was going away. Like, well, as long as we sit here, maybe it'll never end. I, I as was, long as we talk to oh, Jeff, yeah. it'll never end. I was happy that he still talked to us, even though it was literally the last 20 minutes of the show like we were talking to him at like 4 30 you know and it closed at five so it was like i'm like i know you need to clue i know you need to clean shit up you know it's fine you can kick us out whatever but but they he did a he did a panel like he did a podcast panel right before that which ended up going longer and i feel i, I, miss, I miss him like every year and i always want to talk to him again just because like i said he was one of the first people that i talked to that i'd never met before that was on the podcast that was just like hey i love podcasts and, and he's always been like super nice and like friendly about everything and you know it's just cool to talk to him again so we did that and uh spawning spawning off of the complete snes book there are a couple super nintendo games well super famicom games that i almost forgot about that i got number one i got the spin-off of dragon quest torniko nor no daiboken which is a origin story of uh the famous torniko taloon from Dragon Quest IV. I don't know if you can see his face is in there. Right there, that's the white. There's Torniko's face. But he, he's a kid in there. Uh, I got it to work on my on my system, no problem. But, of course, it's all in Japanese, unfortunately. But it looks great. Like, the sprite art on it is amazing. Like, it looks fucking great. And it, it, from what I can tell, it's, it's a dungeon crawler. It's a dungeon crawler starring Torniko as a kid. So, I was able to kind of, like, fight some stuff a little bit but i died pretty quickly and it's all in japanese i don't know maybe i can get my phone to translate some of it but it looks really nice like the graphics look great so so i got i got that far there's got to be a translation you can like follow through with yeah Yeah. well i was hoping to just like just put my phone to the the google translate and just have it just translate off the tv screen and all that maybe it'll tell me what's happening but it looks really cool i really i would love to play I'm sure you can find a ROM that's translated, but I would love to like play an actual English version of it because it looks really, really good for a Super Nintendo game. And also, I got another Super Famicom game. I got uh, SD Gundam, SD Gundam X. It's a, it's a super, it's a Gundam game, and uh, it's. I was actually like half of the half of this game is in English, so you can kind of understand some of it, but the actual like commands and stuff are in Japanese, so it's kind of like half and half. But the pause menu and like all the options and stuff is all in English, so you can kind of find your way around. But it's like it's like Fire Emblem, you know, where you uh you basically place place the different Gundam uh, robots in different places, and I, I figured out how to attack the enemy and how to like have Gundams fly off of the white base and move the white base around and all that. So I so I figured out enough to play the game to actually like get to some of the battles and stuff. So. 
but it looks good. It actually reminds me a lot of Super Robot Wars, to tell you the truth, to of the Robot Super Robot Wars that I played. Not the not the thirty one, but the one before that was a T Super Robot Wars T. Whatever was the last one on Switch. It reminds me a lot of that. But yeah, you kind of position your guys, and then there's a little like a there's a little action two D battle where you fly around with a little like Chibi Gundam versus a Xenon whatever, and you fight each other. And I kept dying, but. I got it to work at least. <laughs> I got to get far enough. I mean, I I know getting Japanese games like, you know, I'm like I, I I you know they're all in Japanese. I won't be able to play them, but I can look at them. You know, and they look cool. You know, and it, and it's nice to, I like having these Super Famicom games that I can just pop into the Super Nintendo and just you know let it go. So that's that. Do you want to talk about the art piece that we both got? Yes. All right. Do you want to do like do like same time three two one show? Sure. You got it ready. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, go. Whoa! Cool. <laughs> we got these uh, these Metroid uh, string pictures. There's like um, for everybody who's listening to it, there's a wooden there's a wooden base here. There's a bunch of like screws in it, and there's just kind of like a this pattern of of a string. There's like red string and green string and black string, and it's uh, Samus's face. So Samus's helmet. I thought this was the it looks super cool. I thought this was the best looking one that they had. They had a they had like a Mega Man helmet. They had like an N sixty four logo. They had like a GameCube, a PlayStation logo, stuff like that. I don't know. I thought it was neat. It, like I said, there there wasn't a whole lot of like art stuff, like the the pin pin thing that we were talking about last week. Like that wasn't there. So I, I wanted was shocked. To- there was literally only one booth that had perlers. Yeah, and there was one perler one, but I didn't. But the, but the, I don't know the the designs that they had. I wasn't really into. There was like a couple Final Fantasy ones, and there was some, there were some uh, Delta Rune ones as well. But it wasn't like, you know, I would have got something if I found like an Earthbound one or a Yoshi one or something like that. But I didn't see anything that was all that cool. I expected there to be a lot of art because people. It seems like more people would have had time to be making art. But there was another huge convention happening in Connecticut. The there, there also was the monkey the monkeys show that same weekend also <laughs> the monkeys the hey hey we're the monkeys like played in milwaukee at the same time maybe people were at, the, were at that minus davy jones yeah there's two uh, of them michael nesmith I, and the other guy whatever i always a nice and i said it last week like i always want a piece of art you know i want something handmade uh but i actually saw so there is a youtuber there uh john riggs who i've talked about on the show before we didn't i didn't get a chance to talk to him but uh he posted a video about MGC today and he actually interviewed these people for a short while and they had made him, they had made him like a custom piece. Like, so he was kind of promoting them and, uh, and they said these take about an hour and a half to two hours to make each. And they were selling them. They didn't take longer. Uh, yeah. They, they were very intricate. They were selling these for $15 each. So I think that's a steal. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's pretty art. cheap. I was actually just thinking today while we were recording this episode, I'm like, man, we probably could have totally talked to these people. Like we should have interviewed them too. But you know, like when you're on the spot, like you don't remember, but I was like, yeah, these guys would have totally talked to us. Like at this one convention I did for that one other podcast, I interviewed this lady who just painted paintings about cats in different situations. Like cats is like different horror movie characters and stuff. And I was just thinking about that. You know, most of the time people who are doing art stuff always want to talk about it and stuff like that. So can still contact them and see if they want to come on after the fact. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Did he say like what the company was? Because I didn't. I ended up not getting. I thought yeah, I got. We'll be able, 
I, I thought we'll I got one of their figured out. I thought I got one of their cards, but I didn't. But I did not, unfortunately, because I wanted to follow them on Instagram and all that. Because they said that they were looking for more designs to do. Like they had kind of run out of what to do, and I'm like, "There's like a, this is video games. There's like a million things you could do. There's so many, you know. There's so many different designs. I can't even stuff. wrap like, my head yeah. around how you design this stuff because it's not like grid based, like all video game art that we know of, including like you know like the stuff that square painter does and stuff like this is like a different sort of algorithm you would be applying to like how this is assembled. i wonder if they designed it in some computer program ahead of time it's figuring that all out string by string oh my gosh and you can't even you can't even tell like where it ties well no i guess there's a tie right there they kind of like tie on the bottom like where the actual knots are you know to bring it all together but i'm super impressed i but wish yeah was- i could have bought more stuff but yeah i really i was on a super budget this weekend it was kind of like you know it was like a, it was a gift for jess and i like because you know she's into the um cross stitching and stuff and she said she had actually seen stuff like this before through a cross stitching group so it wasn't completely new to her but yeah that was a cool thing to get and uh i guess i think we've segued to all of our interviews by now right so we can go to our we've final got one more interview. big interview our final big interview was the big thing that we bought, which I don't want to say anything about it until after the interview already plays so the guy can explain it and all that stuff. But we bought a thing called NES Maker. And we're going to cut to that interview right now. Yes. So uh, we're here with... Uh, I'm sorry, which, I didn't get your name. What's your name? My name is Joe Granado. Okay, we're, we're here with Joe Granado at uh, NES, the NES Maker, is what it's called at the Midwest Gaming Classic, of course, and... Just uh, if you don't mind going going through the spiel again and tell us what you have here. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. When I was eight years old, I was the Nintendo kid in my neighborhood, right? Like the first time a girl I had a crush on called me on the phone, it was to ask me questions about Zelda Two. Like that's how <laughs> that's how the Nintendo kid I was. Oh wow. Um, so in 1988, I was eight years old, and me and a neighborhood friend made our game. Like we have a whole notebook of of you know illustrations and whatever, and we sent it to Nintendo of America. Um, uh, sent it to Nintendo Power, whatever address was in there, with a little note that said, hey, could you send us the stuff to make our game, please, Joe, Matt, age eight, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, we got the whole thing, you know, sent back to us at the end of the summer, and sorry, we can't take unsolicited game ideas. Um, we were crushed, and the box went into storage. Fast forward 25 years, I found that box in my parents' storage, and I said, well, damn, I'm a programmer now. I could actually make that game, right? And so talking to my production partner, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, uh, he said, well, you, should, you need to make it for the NES. You, know, you can't like, make it for an iPhone. That would be cheap. You have to make it the way you intended. So we're, we started a, uh, a project, a documentary project, about creating a NES game now and about the homebrew community and the people that are still keeping that alive. Well, um, over, the, over the development of that, we sort of inadvertently stumbled on something. We were creating it all in assembly language just like they would have in 1988, and we started to have to build little tools to mine for the data. Like when we were building screens, you could write these long hex tables for screens for collision data or graphic data, but it took forever to get it right. So we had a tool built uh, by one of our software developer friends, and he built a tool to help us make screens. And then there was a tool to help us with animations and AIs, and then there was a tool to import music and graphic. And all of a sudden we had a tool that was a one-stop shop for making a NES game. It was basically Unity for NES development or Game Maker for NES development. And so we added a couple features where you can export and test in an emulator. 
you can directly with one click export to an actual physical cartridge and then play it on hardware and that's kind of how Nestmaker was born. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, it's just blowing my mind just hearing about it right now. What so so this so you, what all comes with it? You have this um this plastic thing that you connect the, sure. the card to, right? Like a So so yeah, the uh, the thing Nestmaker itself is just the software. That's what we make. We make okay. the software. Um, and that comes with a bunch of modules for common genres of games, platformers and top-down games and, and brawlers and shooters and stuff like that. Um, and they're all just sort of very rough templates. Like, here's basically how you'd get started. Here's some code to get you started. And then from there, you take it and do what you want with it kind of thing. Um, but we've teamed up with Infinite NES Lives. They make hardware. So they make the, the flashers that flash the cartridges, hook up to your USB port. Um, and then they make uh, cartridge. They make the actual boards, and they source the plastics, so you can actually get up and running. We have a whole kit where you can get the software, a blank cartridge, the cart flasher, USB cable, everything, um, and then you just build your game, pop the cartridge on, hit the make cart button. It takes about 20 seconds, and then you're playing your game on actual hardware. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's amazing. And there's already so you're saying there's already graphics and stuff that you can kind of piece together, or so, so on our site. It comes with uh, seven or eight different modules. There's seven modules plus a blank module, like an empty module. Um, and if you go to the site, you can download some asset packs, really basic ones, that um, work with those modules. So there's a basic uh, sort of maze game, kind of advanced Pac-Man-y kind of game. It, uh, you're a kid in an arcade trying to collect the quarters from the aliens, you know, whatever nonsense that... It, it made sense in an 80s video oh, game no, I mean, type it totally way, makes sense. Right? As a game. So, I mean, yeah, you can... Yeah, those aliens that, trying to yeah. steal your quarters in the arcade, you know. I, I, yeah, I'm on board Makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, that comes as a graphics pack that you can use to play around with. And um, there's there's sort of a basic, like a beginner, an intermediate, and an advanced tutorial. So even if you have no knowledge in anything, you could download the resources, down, you download basically all, it, it, all the scripts are all bundled together, and you just follow through to import the input scheme, the objects, the graphics, whatever. Um, and then you could just start designing levels with just a, you know, mouse clicks, like you're, like you're building in Minecraft, you know, like you just kind of add details. Um, and then there's uh, a more intermediate tutorial that it shows you a little bit more about setting up the inputs so you can start designing your own schemes and change things. And then there's an advanced level, which is all about the code. Okay, and it yeah. does that for all seven different modules. So there's like a beginner, I don't know anything, I just want to screw around a little bit, download the assets, and they can start creating without having to even think about code, all the way to, I'm going to build an engine from scratch. You know, like, it, it shows you all those levels for all those different games. And, and uh, it comes with a blank cartridge? All, uh, also, there's right? a, so the software uh, is a digital download, um, and that's just the software. You can get started without it. Uh, any hardware you can open up in an emulator. It comes stocked with an emulator. That's a it's messing. It's a great emulator, um, but uh, you can also get a whole. Re, just now, we're starting to stock the whole package where you can get the hardware and the software. Um, literally, this convention is the first time we've been offering that as one package. Uh, we're right now making gift boxes for the whole thing, you know, so you can get a nice present under the tree kind of thing. Um, but you could also just add on the hardware later. So you can get the software, start playing around, and then later when you want to flash a cartridge, you can order the hardware separately. And, and with the cartridge, like it's not like a one-time thing, right? Nope. You can just change it's, it whenever you want to, right? It's just, rewritable, and okay. I've heard that the there's like a 10,000 flash limit or something like that. Like it's okay. something obscene, you know, before it starts to have problems. But we haven't run into that yet, so yeah. Okay. Um, 
to, I mean, does your, do you have to, does your computer have to be like a no. certain, so, like <laughs> new, I have like a 2011 uh, MacBook, will it, wow, would that work? That's, I was just going to say, that's really <laughs> funny because this software was designed yeah. on a 2011 MacBook running Windows 7 on boot camp. There so you, go. <laughs> you don't really need high specs. So yeah, you don't really need high specs to run this. Uh, most people who are running like a Mac or a Linux machine, I recommend like if you, if you're comfortable with putting a bootcamp partition on, works great. I, that's how I run it in my house. Um, if you're not, or you're using Linux, buy a hundred dollar PC. You know, you'll be fine. If it can run the emulator, it can run the software. Oh, okay, so the, so this so the software wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't right now, run yeah. on a okay. Yeah, wouldn't um, run on a Mac. Something that is obviously in the pipeline is to push it to other platforms, but right now it's kind of punk rock. So it's a you know, it's, none of us are quitting our day jobs for this and. If it if it blows up, I'd be glad to bring on some some more uh, programmers so that we can do that. Um, uh, right now, though, just grab yourself a cheap PC and make it your nest maker station. I mean, it makes so much sense for like a convention play like Midwest Gaming Classic. I think this is perfect place to sell this type of thing because there's always been a there's always been a good amount of people making like new NES games that I, that I've known. So we've been going here for the past like six or seven years. Sure. And I always had like the Nintendo Age area with all the people that were buying new. Stuff and I started. And, uh, my sort of de NEST development uh, journey started on NESTEV, on, on Nintendo Age. Dane Anderson was one of the guys who sort of pushed me and drove me to like, hey, you should try this, you know, this would be fun. Um, so, you know, the Nerdy Nights tutorials that were on Nintendo Age is how I started learning about 6502 assembly language. And um, the guys on NESTEV forums, some of them have been awesome, and I still am really good friends with them. Um, and then uh, it's just turned into something that's... We didn't anticipate making this tool. This wasn't the intent. We were making a game. Sure. We, built, we built the tools for us. And when we started showing the game, at uh, we were at Seattle Retro Gaming Expo, and we were showing the game for the first time, and people asked, how did you make this? That's what they were curious about. We showed them the tools, and everyone said, well, where do I get those? Yeah. And we're like, oh, no, these are, these are just <laughs> our, our tools that we made to help us. No one cared about the game at that point. Everyone wanted the tools. So we're like, huh, well, maybe we should make these available. And we put about 18 months into R&D to make it sort of accessible to be able to create multiple genres of games and things like that. Um, and and the, that's so it was never our intent to make <laughs> Nestmaker, uh, but it's been a really cool thing. Now there's about 10,000 active users around the world. Uh, you can see here at the, at the Expo Hall, all these gamers along this wall, or even the, the VIG game of the year, that's... That's a Nestmaker game, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. These games on Argon, the, the software platform over here, that there's 60 developers that submitted to have their game showcased here. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, so, so Doodle World, the, Doodle the game World, that we yeah. got, that yep. is also a That's Nest a Nestmaker game, yep. Awesome. Did you did you make the Mystic Origins this yes. year? Is that so you? Mystic Origins is the game that we were making Mystic Searches. That's the game that I was making when I was a kid, right? Okay. Uh, and we were making Mystic Searches without any tools, just straight assembly. And once we had the, and we were building our tools to help us make it. Once we finally had this sort of fully functional tool, we looked back and said, well, damn, man, what could we make now that we have these tools? Think of how much better this would be and how much broader and grander it could be. So what we did was, instead of scrapping all that, we changed the story up a little bit and we made it a prequel quest called Mystic Origins while we continue on development with Mystic Searches here, uh, which is that's what you're seeing on the big screen here. Okay. And it's, a, and, and it's, um, is it, is it like a, is it like a Zelda style, like action? Zelda, Crystallis, uh, okay. you know, Zoda's Revenge, these kind of games. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, these are the things that it's been uh, uh, compared to, which 
I take as high praise as those are some of the coolest games in the system. So yeah, no, I mean I've, I'm one of those people that keeps like reminding everybody about Star Tropics and Star yeah, Tropics yeah. Two and all yeah, that. Sure. Star Tropics One is one of my favorite NES games. So what one of the things that people it was Star Tropics uh, it keeps being referenced because our game has. It's a top-down game, but it's got a Z coordinate as well. So okay. you jump and move in three dimensions in the game, which is more of a Star Tropics kind oh, of yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people find that uh, that was something we were really adamant about keeping from the original eight-year-old's designs. We conceptualized what if Zelda, it was a top-down like Zelda 1, but you could jump like Zelda 2. At the time, we had no concept of what that would mean programmatically or yeah. like whatever. It was just like an abstract concept. But it was so present in those eight-year-old illustrations that were like, well, our game has to do that. You know, it's really inconvenient because the art gets really hard to suggest that you have to start thinking about, um, you know, checking collisions in three dimension cubes instead of a box. So, it, you know, the NES is not really equipped to do to handle that. There's <laughs> yeah. so much happening at once. Um, but it's really gratifying to see it like come to life on the screen and sort of see how the, the three dimensions sort of work. And 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 so yeah, it's it's that's one thing that carried over from youth to now. Uh, well, did you want to give us like what the pricing is on all the, sure. the different tiers? Um, yeah, absolutely. So if you get online at thenewapeheroes.com, you can find the software for $36. Um, that's a digital download for the software. You download it, whatever. Usually at conventions like this, we try and put together a package because I don't like just selling digital download cards. So what we did was we bundled the, the film and the, a DVD of the film and the, a software license. So you can watch the New Ape Heroes documentary and then we get to you get to take something home, and it's great for the holidays too. Like if you wanted to gift this to somebody, you're not gifting them a download card. You're give you're get to wrap something up. So that package is also available on our website. You can order that physical version, which comes with the film and the and the thing. For the full kit, which is that, and the flasher uh, from Infinite NES Lives, and a blank cartridge, uh, and the shell, the actual plastic shell for the cartridge, and a USB cable, um, that's 100 So that's for a license and all the hardware you need to get started, it's $100. Uh, and that's everything you need to start making NES games. Do you have any plans to develop other kind of software suites like this for other consoles? or Which one in spe specifically? Well, why not Sega? Why not SNES? Yeah. There, I, I asked kind of in jest, and yeah. uh, if I had a bell, for every single person who asked, are you going to make <laughs> Super Nintendo Maker next? You'd have heard a bell every 10 minutes for the duration of the festival. It is the most common asked question we have. Um, Nest Maker still has a ways to go. Our development team is small uh, and stretched, and it's a passion project. So at that, right now, currently, we don't have the infrastructure in place to be able to take that on. And I say that, but... There's always R&D going on behind the scenes for other consoles. So I would love for that to be the next direction for this to go. And, you know, let's fingers crossed for what's next. Absolutely. For, with, the, with the stuff that you get with, like, the NES Maker starter, is there a way for you to um, go online and look at what other people have created and stuff like that? Is so, there, yeah. like, a access to a community? Absolutely. So we, there, there's a lot of things you can do with it. We don't, we're, we don't gatekeep what our users do with uh, the, the games they create. We have some some sort of protocols in place uh, as far as what we suggest. Like, don't release a reskin of a tutorial and say that it's your game. 
like it should be pretty unique, you know. And if you look at these games, they're pretty unique uh, from each other, and you wouldn't even recognize them from the tutorials, you know. But really, that's still what's at the core. So we recommend that. We recommend that you know you try and stay close to what the like the spirit of the nest as far as content. But we don't really gatekeep. So some people have found ways to bundle them with a. Um, an emulator and sell them as EXEs and sell them on Steam or, or itch.io or whatever. Some people just sell the ROM, some people give them away for free. Um, we have a new system called the Retroverse.com, which is in a very buggy beta state right now, but it's it's sort of meant to be our answer to like a Steam for specifically NES games. So um, you can go on there, you can play demos, you can unlock the full versions, and you can order cartridges. So if you really like a, a certain game and want a physical copy of it, if the developer has made given permission for us to reproduce it, we can print physical cartridges and you can get an actual legitimate physical cartridge of that game. Um, we're also working with uh, people like Argon, who they have a great little sort of Netflix for retro games uh, that, that works on a lot of Android devices and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and right now the Retroverse uh, is feeding is going to be feeding into that. So if you your library of Retroverse games will show up on Argon. And Polymega is another one. They have a Nestmaker section for Nestmaker games on Polymega. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a... So we're working okay. on what's next when you have a finished game. A lot of people are just selling them, you know, making 50 carts and selling them until they sell through. Um, some people are launching crowdfunding campaigns to actually get physical carts printed. Um, you know, we're, we're really supportive of just seeing it grow in any way that the user wants. And uh, for... For anybody who wants to who wants to buy it, what is what is your web like? Where do they, where do they go to? to uh, you go to thenew8bitheroes.com. Okay. And you could get every bit of information that you need from there. You can you can go to the if you hit the play button there, you go to the retroverse. You can see you know 100 games that users have created, uh, play their demos. You can kind of get a feeling of what you can create with it. And there you know there's some games on there that are early demos, barely fleshed out. And there's some that you would not know the difference between you know. Triple A title, like mainstay Nintendo titles. Um, then uh, there, there's also a learn page, which, which has a hundred hours of tutorials uh, that'll walk you through how to create games. Um, and there's links to forums, Facebook group, YouTube channel, uh, everything you need. You know, all on thenewabeheroes.com. Yeah, no, this sounds this sounds amazing. Like I'm, a, uh, yeah, I'm already. I was like, wow, like yeah, this just just for so many people who want to do this, who want to make, who grew up on NES and want to make like new NES games. It's right here. It's almost like an RPG maker or something exactly. like that, you know, where it's, it's just giving you the we, ability to do it. We put in a, a lot of years of R&D into making our first game, and we wanted to remove the obstacles that prevented us from getting into it so quickly, you know? Like, it took us years to get to a point where we had a stable game, and most of that was just, like, learning how the Nest architecture worked. So that's not the fun part of development. You want to, like, see your character come to life. You want to control how its collisions work and get your music in and you know that that's the fun like get your narrative in that's the part that oh, we you want can, the developers you can write music even right yeah. yeah and that's the part that we want the developers to focus on so so Nestmaker takes care of like the background fundamental hardware BS that, that you know you don't want to really have to learn and it's the same from game to game like it's just redundant information that you don't even need to know to get going if you want to get into it you can you can absolutely get in you could actually write an entire engine from scratch you, you know, um, if you wanted to, but you don't have to. You know, there's templates available that can get you started at a much higher level and get you cranking out right away. Yeah, that, that's what I that's what I'm like really interested in. It's just like how simpler it is, and it's yeah. not just like code. And stuff I mean, like at that. this point, I'm a father too. I don't have time to learn 
assembly and how it yeah. interfaces with the NES all over again and how many people are in that same boat that might be really good game developers that might have good ideas. Yeah. You know, this makes it possible for them to jump in. You you were showing earlier how you could actually kind of peek behind the scenes and see the actual code. So yep. to me to me I kind of think this is also a tutorial on how to learn the yeah. actual assembly language if you really wanted to work kind of backwards. There have been so many so um, I used to be in education. Uh, I taught game development for six years at uh, Inner City High School in Baltimore. Uh, I helped write curriculum for the uh, city of Baltimore. And I learned a lot about how the students learned, having that visual feedback for, you know, um, at first I tried to force them into learning code because they had to learn code if they're gonna make games, right? And that was always a struggle. So then we started learning like Game Maker through drag and drop where they could have that instant visual feedback and it was easy. And then we would switch over to code, and I'd say, and this is like how you do this in drag and drop. Here's how you do it in the code. And then they would say, well, that's easier. Why didn't we learn code in the first place, right? Because they had that sort of confidence of being able to make those changes and see the results before they were inundated with this new language. So I took some of those same lessons in developing Nest Maker, where you could have the visual cue, but then as soon as you're ready, get under the hood and have an organized code base that you can jump right to the part you want edit just that part of the code and see what happens. So absolutely, I would say half of our user base never made games before in their life. They have, they have no experience with code whatsoever. And many of them expressed they've learned how to code because they dissected their own games and saw what made them tick and had to change things and alter things, yeah. So for sure. Yeah, no, it, it, sounds, uh, yeah, it sounds incredible. Um, is there, anything, is there anything else you wanted to say? Is there anything more that you want to add to no, it? No, just I, I'd love for more people to get involved and. If anyone makes a game, we I think we're going to make Midwest Midwest Gaming Classic our sort of annual uh, pilgrimage. This yeah. is our new mecca, and anyone who's making games will be uh, welcome to showcase with us. So yeah, th this is a great place to be at. Like for uh, sure, we, we we've been here for like the past like seven years. Uh, I've, come, done, come I've been doing uh, conventions for a decade now. This is the first time I've been at this one though, and it's been it's been great. Yeah, and even though it's like yeah, bouncing back from the pandemic and all that, and you know, it seems like. It, you know, it's a little little rocky start, I guess, because we couldn't do last year. And but I mean, it's a great it's a great place to be because there's a lot of yeah, for sure. a lot of really cool stuff here, and uh, it's one of my favorite things to go to for sure. Thanks so much, guys. So th yeah, thanks for talking to us. So yeah, uh, there was there's a new program that this guy made called NES Maker. And uh, and we and we bought it. We we bought the deluxe version, which is a hundred dollars. <laughs> Jeremy and I both got it. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's not that much more than like Super Mario Maker Two or something like that. That's sixty. But this is. But with this, you basically get a program that you can use to create your own NES games, and it comes with a little little thing that you can hook and a USB cable that you can hook into your computer and you can and it's right to the EEPROMs. and and comes Sweet. comes with it comes with a blank cartridge also and you just connect the cartridge to it and you can put whatever you make onto this cartridge and you can play it on your on your Nintendo entertainment system just like that and that was like i don't know he's you know you heard the you heard the interview by now so he really sells it very well and i have have you tried it yet Jeremy i i've not actually tried I have it not. Yeah. I have not. I did not get around to trying it. I really wanted to. I just knew it was going to be like a whole endeavor. So I, because I wanted to play all those other games and get them to work, and that ended up taking like a lot longer than I thought it would. But I haven't gotten to try it yet. It. He's got a Mac and a PC version. It's not. A, it's not a Mac version. It's a P PC version. I actually have to. I have to run it through boot, boot camp, right? 
I think is what it's called. Yeah, you can you can make your Mac run Windows. And he actually said that he made it on the same Mac that I'm using right now. <laughs> I was like, he also suggested buying like a cheap laptop. Like yeah, he said get a hundred dollar PC. But uh, but I, I was like, what? I was like, will it run on a 2011 MacBook? And he's like, I made this on a 2011 MacBook. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, running Windows Seven. You know, it's, it needs to be like Windows Seven at the lowest. But I am planning on trying it by next week. I'll definitely, hopefully, be able to talk about it. But there's this whole like community around it. Um, there's like there were like four or five different like booths around that area that all had people that were using that used the the NES Maker to make their games, including, including our, yep, including Doodle World, which was our uh, v- very important gamer pass. That it's it's weird. It's it's supposed to, we're supposed to like wear it around our neck or something. You know, it's like this is our VIG pass, but they give you. Nintendo, you know, NES cartridges as your pass, which you can actually play. Did did you play this yet? I haven't played this yet yeah, either. I, I didn't play Doodle World. I didn't get that far, but I played all my other cartridges. I just did not get to the NES stuff. But, but yeah, Doodle World was made with NES Maker, so it was it was made with the same program that we got. So, and the creator announced Doodle World two at the show. So there is a sequel coming. And we didn't we didn't so. get to talk. There was another guy that I was going to try to talk to, but he wasn't there at the time. But there's another game called a. Uh, Dungeons and Doom Knights, which which was available there. And the guy who did NES Maker, he was saying that the guy who made this, he was like in he was like in the in the hospital for cancer. And this game like brought him back. Like his like cancer like went into remission and and this has become like his, you know, meaning now is NES Maker. So I thought that was a really cool story about that. He he didn't actually say it in the interview, so I'm saying it now so so you can actually hear it, but but yeah, all in all, uh, MGC was a fun time. I mean, it was very nice to see Jeremy again, finally, after like almost two years. I know. What the fuck? And Kevin and, and so... Kevin and Nate and, and Jeff and, and all those people, you know, that we haven't seen in a very long time. There was one Jeremy more piece Parrish. of art, though. What is that? A little gift for our co-hosts. What? Yeah. Do you remember this, Trey? So there was an artist there, and uh, both Trey and I have been kind of had, had a lookout for something for John. And oh yeah, we will ship this to you. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but for now, you can get a little sneak preview of it. Let's see. I hope. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, sweet. That's cool. Yeah, I almost forgot about Sonic. Yeah, we were, we like, we like took a, we were taking a walk down, um, d- down through the booths, because uh, Kate and Nate they were leaving us something for our 300th episode, and I was like, we'll just walk away, and they could just talk into the recorder, you know, and. uh and I, we were just walking around, and this guy was like, hey, I think you need to buy one of these pictures. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. I turned around, and I was like, oh, well, that Sonic one's really cool. I'm like, uh, you know, our, our our friend John, who couldn't make it, uh, he's big into Sonic. Like, how much is that? So yeah. we, I ended up buying, we ended up getting that for you, and he signed it as well. well and it's in, And it's in a little case, so, you know, you got it's a new... It's basically a giant version of, like, those hard... It's literally called a top loader. It's like those hard cases you used to put your baseball and basketball cards in back in the day okay yeah and uh, cool. you know you got you got a new more wall art and stuff saying around my new apartment yeah as i say you got a new you you got a new apartment you need some you need stuff to put on your wall so get you get your little sonic picture there so oh thank you i really appreciate that i think uh, i'll ship that to you asap you'll have that soon since jeremy already had your uh your uh address and stuff i was like oh do you you mind just taking it and sending it just because i have a pretty busy schedule but i do not mind you guys but yeah that's our that's our mgc stuff i uh i do want to 
I do want to read one thing before we go. We, we got a comment on our last episode, so I wanted to read our comment that we got from one of our fans. Uh, Tim Hendrickson wanted to say about last week's episode, he said, I can't believe someone else remembers the Black Cauldron. I had that game yeah. on Apple IIGS as one of my very first games. It had, a re- it had a really short run, and like you said, it tanked in theaters and almost immediately went into vault to be forgotten. So that's it. That's his comment that he sent to us about the Black Cauldron, which John mentioned last week. So I always try to I always try to read the comments, and I don't always get around to them. But thanks, Tim, so much for sending a comment into the show. We appreciate that. And if you want to send a comment in for our 300th episode, send it to nintendomainpodcast at gmail.com. Record yourself saying something, and we will put you on the episode. It's a way for you to put your voice out there if you'd like to. That goes out to everyone and any of my podcast friends. I will be contacting all of you to send me stuff so we can do that. But thanks so much for listening to this. And for everybody who gave us interviews at MGC, thank you so much for helping us out. And uh, it was uh, it was great to talk to you. And I thought we got some really good stuff there. So, you know, and I can't wait to be there again. And I can't wait to check out all your games and stuff that you've that we talked about. So it'll be fun. But yeah, this has been uh, episode 296 and if you want to find other stuff from us you can check out uh, us on twitter at nintendo underscore domain or jmaxstack that's myself and jeremy also youtube.com slash nintendo main podcast i'm going to try to put up a video of the of the stuff of the stuff from mgc that we got and all that shown for the camera so you can check that out also um if you like hearing us and you want to hear more of us, go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can hear our our super secret uh, Patreon-only episode that we recorded on the show floor where we talk about the uh, secret after party that we went to and the bands and all that that happened with that that we recorded in the 